You're listening to the Plain Label Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Plain Label Podcast. I am your host, Eric Williams. In this episode, we are discussing the next series in Phase 4 of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, 2022's She-Hulk Attorney at Law. Joining me for this episode is the Jennifer Walters to my Nikki Ramos, Mr. New Mutant himself, Alan White. I'm not your Jennifer Walters to your She-Hulk? <laughs> no, 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 no. You're the, uh, you're the boss to my little, uh, little uh, assistant. Your genius, my genius assistant. Yeah, she's funny. I liked her. I liked her quite a bit. Uh, yeah, so that's Mr. Alan White, Mr. New Mutant. Before getting into our discussion, we are brought to you by Derek Coward and the fine folks over at the Deliberate Noise Network. Head to DeliberateNoise.com for more current and archived shows from the network. And Alan, before I ask you what you are having to drink today, mm-hmm. I would like you, at the top of the show, mm-hmm. to tell me about you and the Power Principle and your Patreon. Is that right? That's what I want. I am doing a Patreon. I am having a Patreon at at patreon.com backslash the power principle. And it is my is the latest iteration of my comic book that I am reapplying my newfound digital skills to and all the um, all the all the skill that I may have mustered in the last eight years going on 10 years of revitalizing the comic book that I started in the 80s. Mm-hmm. So go over there and you will get one and three quarters of a of a progression, one issue and three quarters of the second issue, and pages keep coming out every two to three weeks until I'm finished with that. And... Uh, Come on over and support me. I'd love to stay in my apartment and be able to draw um, and not get evicted and stuff. So that's cool. <laughs> that's right. You can see, uh, you can get a glimpse of me in my finest form as well over at uh, the Power Principle, which I have a physical copy of, and I can show my wife whenever I want. This is what Alan thinks that I look like. Yep. <laughs> and she <laughs> and, says, and- "Ah." <laughs> that's in issue that's in issue three or chapter three of the of the um trade paperback mm-hmm. um when I finish with this, I'm going to redraw you in chapter three of the of this iteration of the power principle and um yeah, you ain't seen nothing yet <laughs> well, as long as you use the current uh the current model as opposed to drawing me now that's that's my request. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't you worry about that. <laughs> Wonderful. So that's your Patreon. What is it that you are drinking this evening? Well, I don't know if you know this, Arak. Uh-oh. I, like, Titania has entered the building. There's blue curacao. <laughs> I, like, I really like it, but I, when I went to the like the store, like, the man said he didn't have any. So oh, like, no. He told me that triple sec was just like I don't know if you know this, but like triple sec is just like blue carousel without the blue. So hmm. I got that in my drink with my honey jack and lemonade. Okay, it's so <laughs> So if anyone wanted to see what Alan would be like as an influencer, there's a little sneak peek right there. <laughs> that that's going to be a, the next uh, 
unlockable on Patreon is uh, have Alan call you <laughs> as an influencer. Bill Mutant with like a W and, and two T's yeah, in you. Not in the place you would think. It's New Mutant in you. Yeah, that's right. Uh, not in the place you would think. That's right. <laughs> that was another bit that I thought was really funny. Was that young lady? Um, so I am having uh, I'm having a, a little bit of a, a different version of a drink that I used to have quite a bit, but it is a Moscow Mule. But the I do not have any vodka in the house, and so instead I've got some tequila in there. And so I'm having this uh, this Barrett's bermuda stone ginger beer oh. and then i've got a uh, a few well it's like a half of a lime that i've got one juiced and one just kind of garnished sitting on top and then some uh, members mark which is the sam's club version of uh of a big old jug of tequila so i'm assuming my wife got it and it was pretty inexpensive and then a whole bunch of ice and i took a drink and woo it is uh it is strong so <laughs> I think I was a little heavy-handed when it came to the the uh, the pour out of that big pour. old jug. Yeah, I learned I learned the term in this series. That's I right, can... heavy pour. It's going to cost you an extra five dollars, and that the whole idea of that cash bar, unbelievable. Like at that <laughs> wedding location, a cash bar? Nope. I'm I am leaving. I'll say thanks so much for the invite. Congratulations. Let's go. Mm. So. That is what we are drinking. That's Alan's Patreon. And again, the show that we are discussing is from 2022, and it is She-Hulk, Attorney at Law. <gasps> wow! Jesus, what the hell, man? Still in control, no overwhelming feelings of rage. No! A normal amount of rage! You do revert back to Gen 4 when you sleep. Was the air horn really necessary? For comedy, absolutely. This is a multi-year journey you're about to embark on. Who's your best friend? Nikki. Spandex. Spandex is your best friend. Being a Hulk asks for balance. You have so much more to learn. Yes! So I'm clearly nailing it at all these things. If you want to go back to life as a lawyer, I, I respect that. He doesn't mean that. More eccentric superhumans are coming out of the woodwork. <laughs> we are going to launch a division for them. And I want the She-Hulk to be the face of them. Jennifer Waters. Namaste. I have a serious conflict of interest. This man tried to kill my cousin, Bruce. Yeah, that's quite all right. Oh. People only care because I'm representing Emil Blonsky. I think they care because they're like, hey, that girl's green. Jen, do your thing. God, I really like this outfit. I'm not proud of this. Ms. Walters, we answer to a higher power. Our universe is on the edge of a precipice. I am a lawyer. We do things by the book. The book of the shanty. No, the book of American uh, laws. Whether you like it or not, you're now a superhero. Let's do this. 
You know that friend you had in high school? Who was way cooler than you were, attractive, got all the attention from everyone. Hello. Mm -hmm. I think I'm jealous. Is that what I'm feeling? And the IMDb plot synopsis is unbelievably short, yet descriptive, and it goes like this. Jennifer Walters navigates the complicated life of a single 30-something attorney who also happens to be a green, 6-foot-7-inch superpowered Hulk. Period. The end. Period. The end. (laughs) So, Alan, tell me about you and She-Hulk. Was this a... Uh, was this an Avengers discovery? Was this a, when she replaced Ben? Was this a, like, when did you come across Miss Jennifer Walters? I do believe it would have been when John Byrne was, I was drawing her and writing her. I think that was the beginning of my, uh, she hulkedness. Now, what I don't remember is whether or not that she hulk run by him was before or after the Fantastic Four. Mm. But I did love me some Fantastic Four with Jennifer as the replacement for... Mm-hmm. I've got my neighbor's dog just losing its mind for no reason, apparently, in case you can hear that. Um, it, yeah. <laughs> just in case there's not somebody traipsing around on your, y'all's property trying to introduce horror into this genre. Nah, nah, nah. I'm not, I'm not so worried about that. Um, in so, other words, you have guns. <laughs> I do I do not. I have uh, the ability to run. I have, um, I came across Jennifer Walters, I think through, I think mostly through back issues and guest starring appearances. Um, because I don't believe that I, I know for a fact, I never picked up an issue of her book. Um, whether it's the, the burn run or the Dan slot run, I've, I have not read any of her, but I did read, uh, the first trade when civil war two happened and it got relaunched into Hulk and she was concerned about Bruce and his death and all of that kind of stuff. Mm. So I did read that. Um, and then, you know, I did, I did read the Fantastic Four stuff later on when she was in it. And I did read, you know, she would occasionally pop into other books here and there and I would, I would read it. And I always thought that she was, um, that she was fine. Like I never really had like a real strong opinion of her either way. And then, I've, you know, I've, I have all of the, um, uh, I think from like the McFarlane, Peter David, uh, through to about, uh, like, I know that the first series had been canceled and then the second series where he was being more like, uh, more like the beginning of the incredible Hulk with like the whole Mr. Gray, Mr. Blue, like, um, kind of James Bondian type stuff. Mm. Um, so I've, I had all of those issues. And so she would show up every once in a while. Cause I used to be a big Hulk reader, um, mm. in the day. And, uh, because you know, it's a, it's a loner type that's, uh, always got all of these, uh, these problems, even though it doesn't seem like it, I was like, Oh, this is my guy. <laughs> this is my dude. <laughs> um, and so that was a book that I gravitated towards. And so she would show up and, and she was fine in there, but I never really kind of had an affinity, but she also didn't really, um, bother me or irritate me or anything like that when she was, she was on. 
um, guest starring in an issue or what have you. And so when this series was being bandied about, I was like, oh, okay, well, that must be uh, based on something that I don't know about. Because I knew it was, I, I kind of heard the idea of it being like superhero meets Ally McBeal. Mm. And I was like, okay, because I knew of Ally McBeal to where it was like a lighter version of a, um, a female lawyer comedy drama. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I didn't, you know, I'm, I'm good at avo- avoiding spoilers. So I did see, um, the trailer to the series that was just kind of like a, not really like, here's what the, it's not really like, here's what the series is going to be about. It was just like, here's a look at what She-Hulk is. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it was a lot of, it was what a lot of the, well, it was a lot of the stuff from the first episode. Just okay. her and Bruce training. Um, and then I saw the Megan the Stallion thing. Really? Uh, uh, yeah. See, that's not okay. And then that was kind of it. And so I was pretty good at avoiding almost anything to the point where when I clicked on the first episode, I was like, oh, this is a half an hour show? Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I just kind of figured it was an hour long. Um, and either I knew that it was a half an hour and forgot, or I didn't know that it was a half an hour, or or I was just kind of surprised that at least the first episode wasn't an hour long. And so it it kind of took me a little bit to uh, to get used to to the format of it being pretty short and pretty uh, bree- breezy. I think is the way that I described it. Okay. Um, to where it wasn't it wasn't overly concerned with taking itself that seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of, <laughs> I kind of struggled. I, ah. I had moments that I thought were really very good, but I, this one was kind of a, a struggle for me. So it was, it was taken from, it was taking its beats from the slot run. Okay. And, um, and the burn run when she broke, when she broke the fourth wall in the comic. Okay, so I knew about breaking the fourth wall. I knew that that was a thing that she did. Um, and I kind of, you know, as soon as they get into that, I was like, oh, okay, this is cute. This is just sort of like the angle that they're going to get to. Um, when they pushed it to another level toward the end, I was kind of like, oh, this is really interesting. And wow, now I'm annoyed by it at the same... Uh, I was kind of like half really intrigued and half kind of irritated by it. Through to the end? No, like just the last... just just that the last time it happens. Okay. Yeah. So we'll get to that. Okay. So there's a little bit of slot, a little bit of burn. What did yeah. you? What was your uh, overall impression of the show? The second time watching it was, I and that, and this seems to be my universal experience now. When I watch it for the second time. I get such a different experience and so much more appreciation of things. And I think it has to be because I know where it's going. And so when I, when I see how they have layered the story to lead to the later plot points, I appreciate it more than when I'm watching it virgin mm-hmm. and I don't know where it's going or how it's going to develop. And some things just look weird or like a waste but now I have to learn that good writers aren't wasting things when they're putting things on the screen. Good writers. 
Mm-hmm. I think I think good writers handled this series. I feel like they were smart about it, and I did some research on top of what I think to uh, find out the writing, um, just the writing evolution, mm-hmm. who, who the writers were and how they approached it. And so I will be getting to that ah. in this podcast. So the only thing that I know about that piece is that Jessica Gao was the uh, the creator and head writer, and she also did, she was a Rick and Morty person mm. um, and wrote, and was the writer of one of the ones that's supposed to be one of the better ones. And it's always like, uh, some of, some animation, um, sections are a little bit, uh, a little bit like the, uh, the dudes that she writes about, um, uh, that, uh, that Jennifer goes against, right? Like the, uh, the, the main villain basically okay. is, is what some of these animation fans can be like. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I don't okay. think that she had to really stretch too far to find material for for some of that. Um, but uh, but yeah, so but she was the executive story editor and writer of uh, six episodes, and one of them is considered one of the better episodes of the show. Um, and the the sort of uh, incels are besides themselves when they find out that when they find out that Jessica Gao was the writer of one of their beloved episodes. So, so that's always a, a, f- a fun meltdown to, uh, to watch unfold at times. Love it. Yeah. We love to see it. <laughs> Who, who's the, who's what, which, which episode was it? Was that one? Uh, Pickle Rick is the episode. Oh, okay. 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 Yeah. Yeah. No, I hear only thing I ever hear about Rick and Morty is Pickle Rick. Mm hmm. <laughs> my kid watches it and i just i'm beyond the age of uh understanding the humor of it i'm kind of <laughs> like oh well isn't that great for you it's kind of the way that i watch it her and like three dozen of the people that i follow on twitter mm. yeah it's like well good for you i'm I'm glad what is it that i tell you i like it when my friends like things friends like yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, uh, so let's get into episode one. So, uh, this is, uh, I put, wow, this is not <laughs> directed at me. <laughs> like, this is, this is not, hey, uh, 40 year old man, do you want to watch a show about She Hulk? Because here it is. You know, the, I, I was watching this going like, I felt like watching a lot of the show. I could see what they were, what they were doing. And I thought that a lot of the ideas were really good. But then when I watched it, I'm like, I just didn't know if the execution of things were as good as they could have been. What did you think they were trying to accomplish in this first episode? Well, so like for an example, I think that part of the struggle for me is I don't think that the show looks very good. Okay. Like I think that that when she is She-Hulk, it's at times really good and at times like very kind of herky-jerky, almost as, almost yes. like... Almost like my internet was going out or something. Yes, that's that's one thing that cannot be denied. Unfortunately, that the CGI for She-Hulk herself just had some challenges to it, and it did it did kind of flag. And I think that was something that I've I've seen across the board. Okay, that she she just looked too much a little bit like Gumby at times. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes she was moving faster than the camera was panning. Um, as she was supposed to be walking through environments. Mm-hmm. Sometimes her, her one thing that I think 
tripped up the animators or the CGI manipulators or, or whomever is that Tatiana Maslany has an underbite, mm. some type of underbite where her bottom, the bottom row of her front teeth are kind of like all even um, and just kind of a little bit forward facing and she's adorable. Mm -hmm. But when they tried to animate that in Jen's face and Jen's She-Hulk's face, it came across as insin not insincere, but just uncanny valley like. Yeah. Yeah, it, because when she's looking at time, specifically like uh late in the series when she's with Matt, and we'll just say Matt in case people haven't seen it yet. Um when if they haven't seen it yet, why are they listening to me? <laughs> so we maybe they're maybe they're listening this. along <laughs> episode by episode. So when they when she's hanging out with Daredevil, um they're at the bar and it's a charming scene and she is doing that like very I'm charmed face mm -hmm. and she's she's like smiling so big and, and broadly that I'm like this looks like this is stuck on her face like this looks like a screenshot <laughs> because she's doing it so like perfectly still mm. and I'm like it looks a little fake to me. On on Jen's face or on no on, on on Jen's face. <laughs> That's her face. Man. I know, but it was like she was just like holding her her face so perfectly still to where I was like, whoa, what is what is happening with the way that the show looks? Is what I kept thinking. <laughs> um, but anyway, well, so keep, keep I, this in mind though. This yeah. is a thing to know that the producers Jessica Gao mm -hmm. and everybody involved was approaching this as a sitcom, right? So they so it wasn't going to give us cinematic realness, big screen realness. It was going to give us TV watching, half an hour sitcom watching. Okay, so here's my here's my struggle, and I knew we were going to get to this point, but okay, <laughs> let me see how I want to phrase this. Okay. Okay. Yeah, okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm trying to be the girl at the uh, okay. with Wongers is who okay. I'm trying to be okay. right now. Okay, um, okay. I I don't believe that. Jessica Gao and company thinks that this looks like the way that it should look. You don't think that they think that it looks the way it should look. Right. I don't believe that they saw this and thought that's exactly what we want. Oh, okay. Well, not not probably the CGI. Right. And so part of my struggle then is when they are calling attention to such things. Mm -hmm. And when they are doing the uh the little self i i don't like self-conscious writing i think is what it is and so when she's speaking to the camera i think that that's fine mm -hmm. but when she's saying oh don't worry it's not going to be wong won't be in every episode or <laughs> you're thinking like oh where's wong oh you know and she's um singing they're going to go they're going to go talk to kevin feige mm -hmm. and they're talking about how much money things are going to cost and all that. I'm like, Ugh, mm. don't bring attention to the fact that this doesn't look good because you don't have the budget. Okay. Is what they I didn't say it wasn't going to look good. So they thought it was going to look great, but it's just expensive. Well, but it was like, you know, when she's saying, do I transition on screen or yeah. is that, you know, is that too expensive? Blah, blah, blah. That just no, sort yeah. of, that just sort of kept like, it's like, you know, you you just kept picking at a hangnail kind of a thing. Like, I was trying to, I feel like I'm trying to ignore the parts that I don't think is as good as it could have been. 
Mm-hmm. But and and then when I get reminded of it, I was like, ah, oh, well, don't make me think of this thing that I think is a flaw. Well, think of think of the fact that they wrote those things with confidence that the She-Hulk animation CGI was going to be great and perfect and wonderful and just sell it. And so then when she's facing Kevin and she says, and he says, you have to do this as Jen Walters. You can't do this as She-Hulk. And then tells her, and you have to switch off camera because it's expensive. They didn't think that the whole series was going to be flawed with these (laughs) wonky CGIs so that up to this point, up to the last episode, it would just be, oh, yeah, that makes sense. It would have to be expensive because look at what we have been looking at all this time. Mm -hmm. So do it off camera so that switching her from She-Hulk to Jen isn't so much. I mean, is, you know, they save money. Ha, Mm -hmm. ha, 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 ha. Uh But to your point, because it was flawed, it is pointing to that instead of pointing to the the, the humor of um, that fourth wall just being obliterated. And now we're outside of continuity and we are just yucking it up with the with the with the, the AI, Kevin. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So uh, I guess that since that's in the last episode and it's like you've already got some episodes in the can and, and in like a final stage, it's like by now you already know what the show looks like. It, it wouldn't have been a big deal to just rework that a little bit to make it not be a, uh, a red flag as to, hey, look. This might get interpreted as we know the show doesn't look that great. So anyway, not a huge, not a huge deal, but not a huge, yeah, not a huge deal. So, uh, you you mentioned Tatiana Maslany Mm -hmm. and I think that she is great. I think that, uh, Ginger Gonzaga, Gonzaga as uh, Nikki Ramos that I mentioned earlier, I think that she's Mm -hmm. very good. Mm. Um, I think that I didn't know what the heck uh, Jamila Jamil was doing in a non Jamila Jamil voice. <laughs> I was like, what in the world is this? As Tatiana, because I'd never heard her speak that way before. Titania. She's being Titania. What did I what did I say? Tatiana. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm getting Tatiana Maslani mixed up. Um, mixed up with Titania. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so Titania, it, it was like um, I kept expecting her to sound like what Jamila Jamil's real voice sounds like. Very posh and very British. Yeah. <laughs> and so then when she didn't sound like, like that, I was like, what in the world? <laughs> um, well, she, she's not playing Jamil, Jamila Jamil. She's playing... Well, you're right. Titania. You're, you're correct. Um, but she's playing the MCU's version of Titania because Titania... Oh, yeah, not, not, not really the same. From the comics is vastly different than this character in this show. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So episode one, um, I really liked some of the things like the blood transfusion being really, really fast mm-hmm. because I thought it was really interesting that it was a, it was like an example of how dangerous being around Bruce would be. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's like, you know, they didn't really get too much into the idea of because they're related is why this was a, a thing. But they did mention it though. Yeah, but it wasn't like, um, you know, when they bring it up late in the show when she's upset about where the, the series is going with mm-hmm. the, with the new Hulk and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like they don't, they don't uh, dwell on it, I guess. Like they, they, they bring it up, they explain it and then they move on kind of a thing. And I like, I thought that that was good because 
it was kind of like, uh, oh, yeah, well, here's probably what's going on. All right, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> but they, they brought that in also um, kind of sideways in the next episode. I don't I know you don't maybe don't want to jump to the next episode yet, but let me say this because I, I made notes about what I'm about to say mm-hmm. in the ne- from the next episode, but it still applies here. And that is, um, in the next episode, he's going to say to her on the phone, um, when she she will she will have to um, she will be offered the role of being Emil Blonsky's um, defense attorney. Mm-hmm. And she calls Bruce to find out if if he's going to have a problem with her doing that because it means that she gets to be hired again. She gets to work. Um, and so he tells her, oh. Yeah, don't worry about that. That was a long time ago. I was literally a different person. Oh, right, right, right. Mm-hmm. And that was another time that that Jen looks at us, the viewer, and and kind of winks real real quick because he was literally a different person yeah. when he fought Emil Blonsky. And in that movie, that's the that's the 2008 movie with Ed Norton as Bruce Banner and this Emil Blonsky was the abomination in that movie. So what they're doing is they are marrying the 2008 movie with the continuity now mm-hmm. and saying that Emil Blonsky still exists and what happened to him is still in MCU continuity. And so um, Liv Tyler is a, is still Betty Banner or Betty not Banner, because they didn't get married in the MCU. It's still Betty, Betty Ross. Ross. Yeah, in the MCU. She's still out there somewhere. And because I did research on this to find out of what, what when the movie was and all that stuff, I found a spoiler. Uh-oh, what'd you find? You want to know it? And does the audience want to know? I'm going to say it. If you guys don't want to know about the upcoming MCU... Oh, I heard about this. You heard about it, too? Uh-huh. So in that movie... um. Bruce Banner, Hulk, raging around, saving Betty, blah, 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 gets um, crosses paths with Samuel Stearns, who was doing some experimenting with the with his blood. And the reason why I'm saying all of this is because in that movie, they showed that using Bruce Banner's blood does not instantly transfer the, the recipient of that into a Hulk. You get all sorts of mutations and different things. And in the beginning of that movie, or yeah, in the beginning of that movie, his blood dripped into a Coke bottle or a soda bottle or something. Mm-hmm. And later on in the movie, they trace him because somebody drank that soda with his blood in it and they got sick. They didn't turn into a Hulk. They just got sick. So coming back to this, to the point that... that when they mention that Jennifer is going to turn into a Hulk, or is turning into a Hulk, he specifically says, because of our DNA, our specific DNA. So later on in this series, when they do what they do with her blood sample, she's got plenty of reason to, to protest and bust the fourth wall and call the writers in question because it doesn't make sense. Mm. It's not, it shouldn't be happening mm-hmm. because they've already established in this series and in another movie, that just a blood transfusion of from Bruce is not going to turn you into the Hulk. Mm. I like that. Yeah, I said uh, all that to say that. 
<laughs> oh no, the spoiler. I didn't give it Yeah, spoiler. the spoiler. You still want it? Yeah. Samuel Stearns is the name of the leader in the comic books. Mm-hmm. And in that movie, in the 2008 movie, there is one scene where the lab gets trashed and Samuel Stearns falls on the beaker with the sample of his blood or something, and it starts to make his head all swollen and distorted <laughs> and gross mm-hmm. and greenish in that in that movie. And so everybody watching it is like, oh, well, he's turning into the leader. Clearly, he's going to be the leader in the movies. And then that was, and so now it is 2023. <laughs> and so we are so many years past that. I guess they forgot it. Well, guess what? They didn't forget it. <laughs> Betty Banner is returning, and so is Samuel Stearns as the leader in an upcoming movie next year called Captain America, The New World Order. Mm-hmm. Basically like a Cap and Hulk sort of team-up, it seems like. Oh, it would have been nice not to know that, but I've, I knew it, now you know it, and now I've spoiled it for everybody. I'm sorry. Yeah, because it was a big deal that uh, that Eowyn was coming back as... Uh... Betty, Betty Ross. <laughs> right. Isn't that what her I name Betty was? Betty Ross, not Betty Banner. Yeah. Unless they got married off screen or something. Could be. I would doubt it. Is her, is her, is her son. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, another spoiler. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about that. I got that in my notes, too. One of the things that I liked about this first episode, though, is I thought that the social commentary was really strong and it was handled in a way that I didn't expect. So she gets into this accident. She goes to this bar mm-hmm. and she's all beat up and bloodied and this group of women comes in and, and they're like, Oh my God, let me take care of you. <laughs> and mm-hmm. they're just like, here, you got to get, you got to get fixed up. You need a phone. We've all got our phones ready for you. Like yeah. we'll get you to where you're going to be okay. And it seems like this moment of, Oh, friendship. Look at these women all coming together. And then she's still outside by herself, getting harassed by men and mm-hmm. still has the same bullshit that she has to deal with. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that that little bit of, sort of giving us a little bit of something that we didn't expect with all of the, because I feel like you see all the time, all of this like, um, like female betrayal or like women always have to be enemies kind of a thing. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And so I like the fact that we got a little bit of like, you know what, we're going to look out for you. We're going to stick up for you. I don't know what you've been through, but we're going to help. We're going to help you out. And then these dudes, just can't help themselves but you know she's she it's not like she's like dressed up and and looking for attention or something right you know like like eyeballing them as they come out of the bar or something she's clearly wanting to just be left alone and mm-hmm. they just can't stop being from being a dude and mm-hmm. they just have to go up to and say something to her and then we get our first real um good look at her being the hulk mm-hmm. well one of the things that the, the women said was what did he do to you they just they they looked at her kind of some bloodied and some looking just kind of ripped up and one of them said what did he do to you cuz they know that sometimes these men be getting stupid and handsy right so they said that to her and then yeah the, those guys they wanted his they wanted her attention and they thought that they were entitled to it mhm mhm yeah and take Note, goddamn, the women are just <laughs> screaming at you, telling you what life is like for them because of you. Mm-hmm. If you could change that for them, if you would just check yourself. Mm-hmm. 
And that's this this episode is called a normal amount of rage. Right. Exactly. Because, because she has that moment, right, where she exactly. talks about she's ex- she's explaining to Bruce because Bruce has got all this. Now that you're a Hulk, you have to keep your emotions in check and you have to make sure that you're not a danger to people around you. And you have to control your anger and your rage. And she's like, I have a normal amount of rage. I don't have an, <laughs> I don't have the kind of rage that's going to make me dangerous. I've got, and then she described things that women go through mm-hmm. that infuriates them because of men. And having to navigate this world like that shows that she has perfect control over her rage because she feels it every day. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, girl, I hear you. Like, I'm listening. I hear you. I'm listening. It's going. I'm going to keep that always in mind when I'm out in these streets. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, for instance, for instance, let me let me let me apply that to the real world. Give me a for instance. For instance, I have a problem with loud talking. Okay, that's why I wear headphones everywhere I go when I can, because some people have problems with their volume control when they're in public, that when they're talking on the phone or talking to each other or whatever. And sometimes I find myself walking to some destination somewhere on some street and somebody turns a corner and they're heading towards me or they're behind me somewhere and they're talking on their phone and they're talking super loud and I can hear it and I hate it. So now I realize, not 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 just now, but I've been realizing for some time that maybe sometimes when it's a woman talking on the phone loud, Maybe she's doing that on purpose because she's alone mm-hmm. and she's making sure that she's accountable or whoever else is on the street with her knows I'm talking to somebody. So I have a lifeline here. So don't start any shit. And in fact, women live with that kind of danger. They live with that kind of fear that they walk down a street by themselves. Sometimes somebody doesn't know boundaries and might approach her. And that's scary for them. And that's just living. That's not being a superhero or anything. And I and that message comes through in some of these episodes and I'm and I'm here for it. I like it. I like it. I like also that in you know, similar to what you had said, even though Bruce has the right idea and he's trying to like look out for her, he is still mansplaining to her. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's like yes. as well intentioned as he may be. He, whether it's like the actual training or the yoga or, or the, the, the moment that you already mentioned about rage, it's like, he's not telling her something that she couldn't pick up pretty quickly or just already knows. Yeah. And I think that that's important to where she's just like, look, I'm, I got it. (laughs) Like, I'm fine. Um, what do you think of, uh, one of the things that I want to, well, We'll mention one thing because it comes up so many times that's here in my notes. But what did you think of the initial transformation in her lawyer, um, in her lawyer sort of moment, her her end of episode one sort of moment? Uh, when she... When she uh, basically oh, knocks out uh, Titania. Oh, in the courtroom. Yeah. Oh, I know what you're going to say. <laughs> what am I going to say? It becomes, it, it is a theme. It, it, it's a theme throughout the whole series. So I'm getting, I have to get used to it. I'll, t- I'll say this. Mm. Women's feet are better than men's feet. <laughs> I'll say that, first of all. Mm-hmm. And it's not because I have a fetish or anything, I don't think. <laughs> but, in, but I do think that because open-toed 
shoes and fashion have been so normalized all my life that I am more used to seeing women's feet. Mm-hmm. Plus, they wear nail polish <laughs> that, that also makes it kind of prettier than <laughs> than 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 the other uh, gender. Than the cargo short sandal wearing dudes. <laughs> flip flops. Oh, flip flops. That's right. <laughs> who do not try or attempt in any way any kind of foot care. Mm-hmm. And you just get all these bestial planks flapping around in the summertime <laughs> with the with the minimum amount of self-awareness that mm-hmm. and it's enviable actually to be so oblivious to the effect you're having around you with these things but here, here they come because here's the, the it's warming up mm-hmm. i've already seen <laughs> i've already seen uh, like two or three or four Examples out in the wild, flip-flopping around, and I'm like, here we go, here we go. But in this series, Tatiana Maslani has pretty feet. Mm. She, there is, I put so many feet. (laughs) There are so (laughs) many feet in this show. (laughs) And it's like, it's maybe not every episode, but it feels like the majority of episodes. And yeah. and I was like, my goodness, like what in the world? Uh, I feel like it's my fault. I feel like I did. Yeah, it you put it out error. in the world. Yeah. If I hadn't mentioned it, you probably wouldn't be noticing it as much. <laughs> I'm sorry. So I, in my notes, I had so many feet, and then on the side of the of the uh, piece of paper, I put in three lines: so many feet. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I take, I think I told you, my kid hates feet. Yes. And, and and I and I definitely said I hope that she doesn't grow up to be me. Oh, that's right. About yeah. feet. Yeah, because she calls them dogs. Yeah. So she's like, get your dogs out of here. Put your dogs under the blankets. All that stuff to my wife. So, uh, but the other thing that I was actually going to mention because I knew that the feet would get brought up eventually <laughs> was this whole um, like sidekick drop kick attempt by Jamila Jamil. Oh yeah. Here at the end. And then Jennifer just punches her right in the gut, right? <laughs> yeah. And I saw a thing on Jamila Jamil's Instagram, oh. who's a person that I follow, and she talks a lot about um, about uh, fat shaming and body positivity and a lot of stuff like that. Mm. Um, and she talked about how, because she is very silly in real life, and she said that she really, really, really tried to convince Marvel that she wanted Jennifer to punch her in the vagina instead oh. of in the stomach. <laughs> so, because that's where they were pulling her on the strings. Oh. And so she's like, and so there's behind the scenes stuff of her, like, you know, holding her crotch and, and stuff like that. So really, really funny. So when I saw that, I'd seen her talking about that beforehand and so when i saw that actual moment in the show that's all i could think about (laughs) (laughs) so but they show the impact point being her gut for sure yeah for sure because i have it on right now and i just looked (laughs) yeah it's definitely in her gut (laughs) yeah uh and then the little tag because i i kind of missed the tags once they left um about halfway through these little tags at the end of the episode started leaving um and this one was my favorite one and it's drunk uh, Jennifer and she's talking to Bruce mm-hmm. um, because they, you know, they they um, 
they reinforce the idea of in Hulk form, you can't really get drunk. Mm-hmm. But then if you're in human form, boy, it's going to hit you because that's still in your blood. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so she's just in regular regular form. And they've had this runner going through through the episode about Captain America and if he's a virgin or if he who he slept with and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so we get that that final bit there where Bruce is finally like, no, on the tour, he slept with this girl, blah, blah, blah. And she says, Captain America fucks, which I thought was really funny. <laughs> but it cut, it cut off. Yeah, right it cuts on the off. F. Yeah, of course it does. Because, you know, Plus also she was faking her. She was faking her drunkness to get that information out of out of Bruce. Yeah, of course. Well, she does a lot. She does a lot of uh, fake drunk in the show, and some of it's not as as successful. So, mm-hmm. but I thought I I was thinking that Bruce is giving Jennifer quite a line about Captain America for the entire time that she asks because we know doesn't he know that he went back in time and joined Peggy and lived a life full and then came back to them and let them know and and, and handed off the shield so. Steve Rogers is not a virgin at this point in time because he's had kids already with Peggy. Yeah, I wonder how much of that is supposed to be like, oh, that's uh, that's superhero code. Like, we don't talk about that or or how much is like okay. public knowledge or something. I don't know. So then then she didn't really um, get any secrets out of him and he might have made that up. Yeah, I could have. He very well could have. I'm trying oh, to... Bruce. Um, one of the things that I thought was a waste was in that, in that Captain America, the first Avenger in the past, not only is he hanging out with Peggy Carter, right? But he's also, uh, seen with, uh, private Lorraine played by Natalie Dormer. Okay. And I'm like, Natalie Dormer from Game of Thrones, from, uh, the Tudors, from Penny Dreadful, from the Hunger Games. It's like, you got to be kidding me that that Steve Rogers is like, oh, hi, woman that is obviously interested in me. I'm just going to completely ignore you for the good of the U.S. of A. (laughs) Give me a break. Do you you think that was the woman that uh, Bruce is talking about? Maybe he... It could have been. She's just known as, uh, what did I say, Private something? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, Private Lorraine is her name. So. so we are very interested in Captain America's sex life. Well, and we also have Connie, played by Jenna Coleman, who you know better than me. Yes! Yes. Who I only know from what? What do you think I know her from? Um, I don't know. What is a tonal the thing? Tudors. That... The Tudors? Ooh, no. Much more recent. The Queen Elizabeth. But didn't she play queen? The some queen? Think about who you're talking to and my uh, personality type. Some um, um, <laughs> horror movie. Who? Get, we're getting closer. I don't know. What she is Johanna Constantine in the Sandman adaptation from Netflix. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. General. Yeah, that's where I know her from. I don't know her from any stinking Doctor Who. Hey. Get out of here with this Clara. Clara Oswald. You watch your 40 house. episodes, playing the Doctor, playing the Companion, playing the Daleks or whatever the heck they're called. She's never been the Doctor. Uh, uh, There was something I saw on Twitter where it was like four images of her. So maybe in an episode she like dressed as or pretended to be. She took, she took the role of the Doctor because he was stuck in a TARDIS that was shrinking and he okay. couldn't get out. Then that's what it was. 
So she was leading the investigation by his uh, his direction, and um, it started. <laughs> Welcome to the Doctor Who podcast. <laughs> Get me started. Yeah, here. but I was. But it was a. Uh, it was like one of those four picture, four quadrant things where it was like show you an actress who can do, and then it was like the Doctor, the whatever, uh, you know. And it was like the four different things of Doctor Who, yeah. and she was her that, dressed that up as old. A, a part of her character story arc is that she started to want to be the lead and be the doctor after a while. And mm. it seemed like it seemed like fans were getting kind of turned away from her because of that direction. She wasn't being obnoxious with it, but she was being pretty assertive. Well, I do think that for all the negative and pretty uh, passive-aggressive things that I have said and thought about Doctor Who, they mm-hmm. definitely know how to pick companions. Oh, man. because they have very, they have many many successful actresses out of that out of that group. Truth. Yeah, and a lot yeah. of them are like you know they were on that, and I look, and then they're either in something else that I really like, and I'm like, oh shit, they were one of the uh, one like of Billy Piper or you know, yeah, or our uh, Gomorrah or what have you, or not Gomorrah, <laughs> what's her face? Gomorrah's sister, oh, Nebula, Nebula, the Nebula. One, the one who uh, you get all invested in in that movie, and then at the end. <laughs> <laughs> spoilers for oculus <laughs> if Net- they listen to the show they've already been spoiled that's true but if you're just dropping in because you're like oh they're talking about she hulk and you get an oculus spoiler i, am- I admit it i hate when that happens i'm sorry y'all <laughs> i hate when that happens so hard well there's been stuff that i've been listening to that i'm like fairly current on Right. Oh, here's what it was. It was it was not fairly current. It was two years. I'm two years behind on listening to the lead up going into the final season of The Walking Dead. Uh-huh. And I don't watch The Walking Dead. Same. But I'm vaguely interested in the book. And I have like maybe five or six of the big hardcovers. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I'm woefully behind and not in any rush to get caught up or anything. But they're talking about you know, this last season of the show, and then they're like, oh, well, it's completely different from the book, because in the book, XYZ happens. Oh. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> holy <laughs> shit! Because, like, <laughs> like I've told you several times, I'm still in 2017 oh. with my book listening. <laughs> I'm uh, like, whoa, that's not gonna happen for, like, three years. <laughs> and you can't get to the pause button fast enough. Oh, no, because I'm, I'm probably either out on a walk or in, like, my garden or something, and mm-hmm. the the phone's either in my pocket, or it's like, you know, when I'm doing garden stuff, it's it's yeah. on the patio, and I'm out in the, in the dirt. Well, it, it, I, I feel that pain, and here I am causing that pain, but... <laughs> Well, it happened. To, it happened to me with the X X books stuff. I'm three months behind because I I read them all on. Um, oh, unlimited. you're. Oh, well, it's because so you're I'm an unlimited. Three man. months behind what's going on with with Krakoa and stuff, and I'm listening to one of the um, biggest one of the biggest X X X casts um, X Men podcasts. One of the biggest ones. I won't name them mm. because I don't want to bring heat down on them. Ooh. But I'm listening, and they just threw out a detail because, and, and I thought I was listening to them in delay enough. Mm-hmm. Like I'm listening to something that they recorded in February, mm-hmm. and I'm here in April, and I'm thinking that's eh, safe margin. And brr, there it went. 
a spoiler, <laughs> a spoiler so casually uh, that not even on the topic they they usually cover characters per show a character per show mm -hmm. and i went to listen to, about the character and the spoiler was 100% not about the character of the show and i'm like okay i won't be listening to this for another 3 months thank you very much well what i like to do is as soon as several of the the shows i listen to talk about oh we have a book of the month i'm like well i'm not listening to that again until i read that book yes because it's right. like if i own it i might as well read it if i haven't read it already right or with the advent of you know my hoopla deal i i'm like well i can just borrow this and just read it real quick or not real quick because of i i am who i am and <laughs> and it's like because i can you're a studious reader that's right i can read this and then you know pick apart why are they doing this this doesn't seem character consistent uh, you know doing that through the middle of the read and then uh listen to the episode afterwards Yes. is my preferred way to go about it. And yes. so that's why I'm so slow when it comes to different uh different comic specific things. When now when I'm listening to movie podcasts, I'll just put it on the list. Because I'm like, "Oh, that sounds good. Put it on a list." Mm -hmm. But I won't be like, "Oh, I can't listen to them talk about this because I'm going to be spoiled because it's weird because I feel like oh, if someone says they don't like this book, that must be because it's not good. But then if I think, oh, someone doesn't like this movie, well, I'll check it out anyway because they might be dumb. It's sort of, <laughs> it's sort of like the weird way that I, that I uh, conflate the two. I don't know why either. Do you think that a, a a reader of a book is coming to it with a with a more of a degree of intelligence than a, the viewer of a movie? So uh, sometimes, if, or if or it's like reader of a book says this isn't good, it's because they really know what they're talking about. Yeah, I think that it's like if if it's a person on a movie podcast, I may have watched something of theirs before that they said that they liked or didn't like, and I didn't agree with their taste. And so I'm like, okay, well, maybe this is something that I also won't like. But when I'm watching a or listening to a, a, a comic podcast and when they're really breaking it down and they're talking about, oh, the art is this or, oh, the story doesn't do that or the, the voice isn't quite right or whatever, then I'm kind of like, oh, OK, well, that's more like here's the flaws and why as opposed to being more interpretive like a movie can be at times. You believe like, them. Yeah, I believe them more, I guess. I believe them more. Mm -hmm. or, I, or I don't know, or I'm like, there's so many of these compared to the movies that I want to see. I'm more willing to to take a risk on a movie that I heard was maybe not as good as opposed to a book to where I'm like, God, there's so many comics past and present that I want to read. If this, If you're telling me this one isn't worth it, okay, I'll just skip it. But the principle is the same, though. Mm-hmm. You, you consume the media and you get your own experience from it. It doesn't it doesn't have to matter what another person thinks about it. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I'm just saying that's the way that my brain works for some reason. Well, change it. <laughs> and it's the same with uh, it's the same with physical books, to where I'm only I'm down to like two, um, two just prose book podcasts that I listen to, and the ones that I listen to as I go, the both neither one of them really get into too much about like spoilers or or anything like that. They just talk about things that they liked usually. And so I'll just put them on lists 
and then if they'll have the author on or whatever, then I'll wait until I listen to the audiobook first and mm. then I'll listen to it with the author. And usually it's like five minutes about the book and like 25 minutes about the press tour that they're on or whatever. And then it ends up being like, Oh, I didn't have to read that book anyway, but I guess I did. So, so anyway, so let's get back to she Hulk. Alan. She-Hulk. Yeah. So episode two is what we're talking about. Superhuman law. Superhuman law. This is where we get uh, the sort of aftermath of, you know, her fight in the courthouse, in the courtroom. And, mm-hmm. you know, she's pretty down and out. And I put, whoa, we got some rich people problems, baby, because we've we've got the first of a few different times where it's like, I guess I'm unhirable, hmm, but I look at my apartment and look at my rich parents that could take care of me if they needed to. And I'm kind of like, oh, boy, I was like, I get it. But at the same time, I'm like, man, what if this was like uh, my my immediate thought was, what if this was Luke Cage? Getting fired? No, it was Luke Cage that gets caught, like, beating up somebody, mm-hmm. and then now he's unhirable. And how much different of a show that is from that story compared to this middle-class white woman that's a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> and that was my immediate thought. But she was an assistant DA. Mm-hmm. And She's a little <laughs> bit higher up, yes. In L.A., so I guess that helped her afford her living expenses and she was rich she saved enough money to live for a while in the same digs that was that she was employed in mm-hmm. but i didn't i didn't get the impression that her parents were that rich well I mean, they were definitely middle class middle like middle class middle class yeah Upper middle class to me is those mcmansions oh <laughs> mansion in those mansion neighborhoods okay well middle then they were middle class according to the alan scale um because it seemed like they were retired and owned their home and she could just live there if she wanted to yeah yeah to me that's middle class okay not even lower middle class that's middle class okay that's the dream yeah Yeah. well yeah i was gonna say well i'm i'm reorganizing my dreams i think (laughs) <laughs> and you lit and you you pull your income and you have enough to keep the roof over your head mm-hmm. and you live successfully long enough to buy off the mortgage and now you have a house in the world of America. Yeah, that's right. All I need all I really need, Alan, is to just get on one of these shows just once and I can pay off our house. Just once. Just See? one show. Well, you gotta do I I've got a story for you. I've gotten I don't have a story for you. I have a narrative for you in one of these episodes because I had a whole thing, a whole experience on uh, one of these episodes and I will gladly relate it. Okay, when we get to it, huh? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so episode two, when she goes home and this is kind of like the I've got to find myself kind of episode and she goes and talks to her dad and did you recognize her dad? It was uh, Perfect Strangers. Perfect Strangers, not Balky, is what I thought. Not... <laughs> I was like, it's not Balky, it's the other guy. It's the Tell straight man. Larry, <laughs> wasn't his name Larry? I think so, yeah, I think so. Uh, and so that's how I kind of thought of him, and I was like, oh boy, I was like, he is playing like he's on a sitcom, baby. Like, he is he is because. really sort of arch and very and big. And why? And why do you think that was? Well, it's just like, that's... They hired him for to do that, right? Like because that's it's a, yes. because that's that's what they want to reinforce that this that's what this show is. Yes, 
However, they also added a character that ticked off all my on my nerves boxes. And that is Oh, the, the DJ cousin. kid? Yes. Oh. Cousin Ched. But oh, I could not happened. I could not be bothered with this kid. Right. But something happened um a couple of episodes into this thing that clicked with me and I thought, I got it. I know. Now I know. When we get the the idea that somebody's going after Jen and there there's a big old conspiracy happening and they're hating on her and this website is putting all this hate stuff out about her and they're setting her up and they're doing this and doing that. And it was then the episode was going off and the end credits started to roll like they always do. And they use all sorts of different um, drawings, mm-hmm. which all oh, artists, forgive me. I did not look up who you are that did all these, did all these drawings, but they start with that dinner scene from this episode mm-hmm. with uh, the parents and Jen and cousin Ched so <laughs> prominent in this picture and they show it every episode. And so at the end of one of those episodes when I'm thinking, well, what's going on here? And then cousin Ched's face flashes. I'm like, aha, that's what this character is for. He's the bad guy. He's jealous of Jen, his cousin, who gets Hulk powers, and he's <laughs> in the family. So if he gets her blood, he's going to turn into a Hulk just like she did mm. because he's related to her. That's what this is going to be about. I was so con- I was so convinced. <laughs> That's interesting. So that was the only reason why I tolerated that character. Because at that wedding that you discussed, uh-huh. if, if, that, we're, that we have discussed, mm-hmm. The wedding coming up. He's the DJ at that wedding, and at that wedding is where she meets the the guy who. Uh, oh, Josh! Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I thought so since he's at that wedding, he planted that dude mm. to go out with his cousin. Well, look at you spinning blood. this narrative. Look at you. Yep. And I didn't. Re- and so it was after that after the wedding episode and even after the episode following that, that I didn't, I still didn't have, I still didn't think of it and wondering what's this conspiracy about. And then it clicked when I saw his picture, then it clicked. That's why they keep making him prominent in this picture in every single episode. And he was at the wedding where she met and all, it all goes together. Ha ha ha. And I thought, brilliant Alan, the writer, anticipated <laughs> another plot. I'm so smart. It didn't happen, folks. It didn't happen. Yeah, there was uh, Jennifer Walters just looked and said, it didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> there, as the narrative. As that's the right. Narrator, as the narrator. Right? That's right. You all right now, that's not it. But if they carefully and deliberately planted that character to be the red herring like this, mm-hmm. you, I will have to give them even more credit than I do already. Mm-hmm. So this is the episode where we get the introduction or reintroduction of the abomination of Emil. And mm-hmm. this is where this was like the first, uh, because, you know, I love having emotions and story and having it, you know, the, your guts ripped out kind of stuff. And when he's talking about this new life that he's made for himself and this new sort of mentality and how he's changed and all this stuff, 
And, you know, like I said, I've read plenty of an Abomination stuff. I read the Abomination miniseries that I just saw when I was going through some books the other day. And mm. it's like, I know who the character is, but it's this is the MCU version that writes haikus and, and mm. has all of these women and all this kind of stuff. Um, but this is what I felt like was one of the first, like, attempts at an emotional moment. And I was like, okay, yes, good. Like, give me a little bit of, like, just a touch of something that's that's a little different than just the sitcom, than just the cutesy sitcom. And just, like, a little a flourish of it every once in a while, right? Yeah. And And so I was kind of, like, propelled by that because I was like, all right. We got this Shang-Chi connection. We got this. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the idea that when we had references to things to where nerds like me were like, oh, well, that's a reference to Silence of the Lambs. They call it out and they mm-hmm. say, oh, yeah, this is some Silence of the Lambs shit. Or they say, like, you know, uh, are they going to have uh, fava beans and a nice Chianti mm-hmm. is what she says when she goes and sees him because yep. she's walking down and it's like a shot for shot sort of thing. Yeah. And I'm like, well. What are you doing? Because kind of like the Doctor Strange thing that I was so upset about where they were doing the Shining rips, you know, and and just kind of like, oh, yeah, here's Jack Torrance from The Shining. But Wanda's not going to, you know, it's not a reference. It's just we're just pulling this this image because Sam Raimi likes that movie or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I was glad to see that, you know, these characters were smart and they knew sort of what was being referenced when it was being referenced. Okay. And I just yeah. think that that's, that's so... That's like such a fine line of of a thing to do because you do it too much and you're like, it's almost like you're up your own ass and you're like, oh, look how smart and cute I am mm-hmm. as a writer. But then if you, you know, you got to in, include it enough because you're trying to make it seem like the character is so smart and cute as mm-hmm. opposed to the writing is so smart and cute. And that's sort of the, the Jeremy Slater versus the Jennifer um, sort of difference. You know, the Jennifer Walters is the one talking to the audience. And so she's yeah. got to be cute and clever to where yeah. I, I feel Jeremy Slater, whenever I watched moon Knight or the umbrella Academy is the writers speaking to me. Okay. So you felt like Jennifer did pull it off. No. Jen- yeah. I thought that, Jen- I thought that she was good. I thought that, I thought that you could not have had a better Jennifer Walters. Ah! Yeah. So I think where, where the things that I struggled with is I didn't always think that all of her material was super good. Okay. But I thought that, that she was really good. Like she was she was making the show better than it had any right to be is what I felt like, huh. because I thought that she was so uh, worth following. And I thought all of these performers were so good. Mm-hmm. It was sort of like I wanted the jokes to be a little bit a little bit stronger, like a little bit better. But I felt like they were kind of like making the best out of what they had kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Well, what did you think about how did you feel when dad from the from the dinner brought her into the to the oh the uh, garage or whatever yeah and asked her how are you doing wasn't that a a, a good emotional beat no, <laughs> no. <laughs> and see where where that didn't work for me is that felt so 80s broad like fan, like full house or perfect strangers like oh let's have a after school special moment and i was like no i don't believe this one bit <laughs> That's because Larry from Perfect Strangers yes. is the one delivering yes, the line. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. If it was Dave Coulier or John Stamos, I'd have felt the exact same. <laughs> to where I was like, no. Nope, not fair. Yeah, it's like, I recognize this dude. He's too synonymous in my uh, growing up and watching all this stuff. 
you know, and even if people that had, had passed, whether it was, you know, people from uh, Family Matters or Danny Tanner, if, if it was someone like that that would have been doing the same sort of thing, I still would have been like, nope, that's the guy from this show. So. <laughs> but you would have really hated it then if her father would have said, you know, I had this cousin once from a from a from. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! If he would have just mentioned her being like having a tough time, he's like, yeah, you know what? Let me call up my cousin. Balky's been through some stuff. <laughs> Holy shit! The internet would have exploded. <laughs> what would you have done? I would have been like, what the fuck are they doing? <laughs> I, I would have just lo- I would have been like, who approved this? I would have been beside myself. Oh man, I wouldn't have known what to think. I think, unbelievable. Uh, anyway, so episode three we're on. Yeah. Uh, this is when she's getting all of this uh, news backlash. Uh, with the, like they're talking about like you know through this news uh, beginning where they're talking about like Me Too stuff and all of this Jennifer Walters stuff and She Hulk stuff and. She's currently talking to camera as I look at it. Um, it's sort of like the She-Hulk name. And it's like, why is everything got to be female now? Mm-hmm. And all this stuff, right? Which is very comic book inside. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Neckbeards unite. Oh, yeah. Where we got to, why we got to have Lady Deadpool? Why we got to have Lady Bullseye? Mm-hmm. All that sort of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so anyway, the, this is the episode where... This is the episode where I started to struggle a little bit. Um, and I think that this one in particular was, this is mostly like the trial of, of Emil, right? The people versus Emil Blonsky is what this mm-hmm. one's called. And this is when he's, you know, trying to prove his worth and, and we get, we get the wrecking crew at the end, which I thought was interesting. Uh-huh. Um, but I put in here, I was like, the problem with comedies is that they need to be funny. And I didn't think that this episode was was particularly strong in terms of the like the actual lines. It was like a thing where the the idea as a whole was good, but it's like the 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 specific things that they were saying didn't make me laugh. Mm-hmm. And so it was it was very much what I call in my regular job like an execution dependent episode. And I just didn't feel like that this particular like the sequences and like the broad story is good, but the actual moments wasn't as good as it could have been. And I think I, I had the same experience in my first watch. Mm. And then this second watch, I appreciated it more because in the, in the first watch and almost a little bit in this second watch, I felt like what was going on um, with, um, her co-worker Pug, uh-huh. Mr. Pugliese, um, and that whole thing was a waste. Mm-hmm. Like, I did I did not care at all. With, the, with like the fairy lady? Yeah. Yeah. The setup was while while Jen is defending um, Emil in prison, while he's still in prison, to prove that he is worth um, being paroled and he's made a change and everything like that, her co-worker at this at the other at the firm she got hired to be the the superhero at law thing um he's not doing that well mm-hmm. yeah he's doing that and he takes on a case of jen's ex mm-hmm. co-worker that's a real bro the, from the da office that she worked at before she got fired because she's the shield 
he was in a relationship with who he thought was Meg Thee Stallion. <laughs> right. yeah. He thought, Megan Thee Stallion, I am dating Megan Thee Stallion. Mm-hmm. But that turned out to be actually a, um, an Asgardian elf shapeshifter. So that whole trying to um, get his money from this shapeshifter and the shapeshifter doing hijinks and shapeshifting and making pretend she's him, making pretend she's Pug mm-hmm. to kind of just get Pug in trouble and then trying to uh, uh, impersonate the judge. Mm-hmm. And impersonate Jennifer. All that stuff is just like, what is, what, what, yeah. why? What is the end game here? Yeah. So that might be some of the unfunny stuff, but then Jen herself lets us know, the viewers, that that plot and her plot are converging. They're brought together when Pug joins her and um, Nikki at the bar to complain about their cases. And Dennis, the co-worker, um, well, Pug gives Jen an idea. No, no, no. Jen gives Pug the idea because she talks about Dennis, her co-worker, being delusional. Mm-hmm. Gives So she gives Pug the idea that she can put Jennifer, he can put Jennifer on the stand to prove that Dennis is an idiot and would <laughs> think that he's actually dating Meg the Stallion and so he was defrauded. And Jennifer can cooperates, goes on the stand, talks about how Dennis is an idiot. And then coming out of that trial, because that that cinches the, the deal for Pug, Dennis gets re- awarded his money, or at least the judgment goes his way. He's never going to see that money. But, <laughs> you know, you can, you can win a lawsuit all you want to, but who's going to pay up all that money? It's gone. Like, you gave it, she spent it. Forget it. It's gone. But that... As the after they won, then that case gave Jen an idea on how to appeal for um for Emil. For Emil, right. So the two plots so that, that plot I thought was a big old waste of time and is not She Hulk related, wound up being She Hulk related, and it was Jen herself who gave us that uh nod and said, Hey, look what they're doing. They're mm-hmm. doing this. And then I appreciated it on my second go. Sure. So I think I think that that's exactly what I'm saying. To where like the idea of how it it braids together is a good idea, but the other the other half, the non Emil section, could have like actually been good too, though. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. If, <laughs> if they would have spiced up the. Yeah. Well, it just could have been like a a more interesting. A, a more interesting uh, story, or it could have been something to where the actual like lines were were stronger or whatever. Yeah. But yeah. we do get, um, you know, we do get the whole She-Hulk bit, and then we get her again being a uh, young woman in L.A. walking alone at home at night, mm-hmm. and then getting attacked by this group, and they've all got these funny little. Uh, colored deals that they're carrying whether it's a helmet whether it's a, a some sort of a weapon or what have you crowbar crowbar um one's got like a mace it looks like um yeah, that was thunderball yeah thunderball and then we've got uh so i'm sitting there thinking as soon as that comes up i was like oh is this the wrecking crew <laughs> and it is the wrecking crew. and it absolutely is yeah and so i thought that that was funny to where i don't often like it when there's a group because one of the earlier Avengers books that I got was when 
the wrecking crew like wrecks up the Avengers mansion and it looks like they're going to kill Jarvis and all this stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. And so here when it's just like, they can't even like poke Jennifer with the, with a needle Mm -hmm. and she's just plowing through them. Right. And they've got (laughs) no shot to where I'm like, I don't often love when it's a superhero and it's a comedy. Because I, it's like I don't love when all of the superhero stuff that I read is played for laughs. And that's here as well. Well, yeah, that's that's definitely here. Because it's just, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, yeah, the Wrecking Crew, no, they're a complete joke. And it's not like a, oh, you ruined the books for me. It's not like I'm like that. But it's, it's sort of a thing where it's like, oh, that's the choice that they made? Like, now in the MCU, they're just going to kind of be a joke? Like, okay, I guess. I guess it's like well, if it, if it was you. an unnamed group that I wouldn't have known or something, or if it was something from something like more recent that I wouldn't have uh, been in contact with or something, mm-hmm. maybe I don't have that sort of connection with like with with Thanos's group, right? With, during Endgame and and uh, Infinity War, oh, yeah, I don't know those characters at all. No, yet, if you read the comics then you would have more investment in who they are. Exactly. So I don't know them. So I'm like, so I'm like, whatever you do to them is totally fine with me. Cause I don't know who they are. Yeah. And maybe somebody else had the same mm-hmm. response you did mm-hmm. because they were more invested in it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But there was one thing that they did give us that I wanted to make note of and that the character of Thunderball uh-huh. in the comics is a black guy. <laughs> that's right with his but little doesn't he have like a yellow mask or something yeah yellow yeah. and green yeah and he is a actual doctor like a scientist ah and so they did him quite wrong <laughs> but i won't say i won't say they did him wrong okay i'll say everybody who complains when they race switch a character in the in the and maybe including me when it came to the fantastic four yeah, but that whole thing was a mess, though. <laughs> but that's true too, and that's that was that's a major problem for me. But so here's some um, affirmative action for you. Yeah, yeah. So relax, maybe. You wanted it to be a bunch of white guys. Here's some white guys. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Thunderball is black in the comics, but he's white in the MCU. And, mm-hmm. and are you happy now? Are you okay? Can you stop <laughs> complaining? oh man all right so episode four is this not real magic alan this is where i turned the subtitles on (laughs) because i was like they are not saying like donny blaze what the fuck is donny blaze it's johnny place yeah what's going on there (laughs) and so then i was like no i've got to put the subtitles on i was like maybe i'm not hearing it right like is there an accent going on like what do you mean it's donny (laughs) and so i put it on there and i'm like oh shit it's donny what the fuck is going on (laughs) well he's never he was never supposed to be ghost rider it's okay yeah you're right and so i'm watching it and i'm like you know not thinking that this would be the place to introduce a ghost rider character anyway Mm. but uh, which I didn't realize got introduced in Shield because I never watched any of that. But there you go. Um, and so, but the highlight of the episode is what? What do you think? I I think is the highlight of this episode. Oh. Or should I say who? 
<laughs> is it like the one who like loves blue curacao <laughs> and like gets with wong at the end this is like watching wongers yeah wongers wongers <laughs> oh my god oh man so this is um oh boy this is a character that i went on quite a journey with <laughs> because when i met this madison this uh by patty guggenheim yes um Madison with a Y, but you don't know. I bet you don't know where it is or whatever she says, right? Uh, a Y with two N's and the Y is not where you think. <laughs> and so I was like, who the hell is this when she first came on? Um, but then by the end of the episode, I loved her. And what it reminded me of is there is a character in Parks and Rec. And she is performed by june diane raphael mm -hmm. and june diane raphael is also on new girl that we uh started re-watching with the kiddo and mm -hmm. she's married to paul Shear. and i listened to paul Shear and amy nicholson talk about movies on unspooled where they w went over the afi's top 100 movies of all time and decided if they should have been on there or not oh gosh uh and then after they went through those 100 movies then they started picking their own movies that they felt like should be on there instead. And uh, Amy Nicholson is a film critic, and then Paul Shear has been in a bunch of movies. And then uh, I listened to him also on uh, How Did This Get Made, where they talk about, where they basically um, do like, um, where they riff on crappy movies, basically, and just mm -hmm. talk about how silly they are and whatever. But anyway, uh, June Diane Raphael is on Parks and Recreation, and she plays this character called Tinnifer. <laughs> it's not Jennifer, it's Tinnifer. With a T. Yeah, and it's like, and she is very, very similar to this character. Mm. Um, and so I'm like, ooh, I wonder if Patty Guggenheim just based this off of that character mm. because they're they're very much the same, and they just talk exactly the same. They dress almost exactly the same, <laughs> and they uh, in in the Parks and Rec, Rec episode. April, who is just, you know, hates everything and everyone. Is that um, played by our girl? Oh, Aubrey Plaza. Okay. And she um, pretends to be just like Tennifer and talks about the different people that she hates and loves and, and what have you. And it's very much the same sort of persona. So when I saw this character come on, I was like, oh, my God, what the hell? And then when I realized what she was doing, I was like, oh, this Madison is wonderful. <laughs> Because this is like, it seems like an easy thing to do, but to make it also very, like, you could see some drunk girl being this way on <laughs> any given weekend. Mm. Um, she's got to have that bit of realism to make this feel right. And whether it's like the Sopranos deal and Wong's all disappointed with the spoilers, or it's um, just any of the little bits or when they're together and they're they're just kind of riffing at the end of the episode. I just thought that she was wonderful. Mm. So made, she... it made the episode for me. Good, good, good. And she, um, I, uh, you in didn't, real time, you didn't like I, her. I did not. I did not. In the first viewing, in the first viewing, I was like, I really have had quite enough <laughs> across media spectrum. I've really had a lot. Uh, like, there's been a lot of her, this character, in a lot of. Them. 
You, you've seen this sort of representation already. <laughs> and, you know, in abundance. And so, you know, there's, the, the, the media world is not hurting for represent for white girl representation, drunk white girl representation. But I'll tell you this. When in real time it was being broadcast mm-hmm. um, last year in September, can I tell you the Twitter sphere fanship and people watching She-Hulk at the time adored her? Oh, adored her. Oh my! And, the, and then the theories started to spin and spin and spin because. Her, the end of her name is Sin with a Y. Oh, <laughs> wait a minute. That doesn't. Yep. It doesn't. Oh, oh, just her first name. Okay. Yeah, just her first name. <laughs> okay. Sin, but you spell it S. Yeah, with a Y, and you'll never guess where. So, people made graphics of her name in a font, and pretended like the next series for Marvel was going to be Madison. Oh my God. For one thing. For <laughs> The second thing is because she got snatched. No, she didn't actually get snatched. We didn't see how she got there, but she came back from a hell dimension. Mm -hmm. And her story was that she made a deal with a devil. Right. She had to give six drops of blood. And she, when she showed up, she had a living beating heart in her hand Mm -hmm. that she was going to be Mephisto. (laughs) Oh my God. This is like the storyline that'll never go away. Oh, that is so funny. Because I was listening to the Empire guys talk about, uh, they were talking about, I think I'm at like Shang-Chi. And they were trying to say like, oh yeah, next thing you know, like the next show's got to have Mephisto in it, right? Yeah, Mephisto's in everything. And it's like because of the uproar of Mephisto not being in WandaVision, mm-hmm. it's like now everything that comes out, everything is Mephisto. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, be- I know what it was. They were talking about the preview to No Way Home. Ah. And they were saying like, oh, maybe it's a like a Mephisto thing where the <laughs> oh, or this, that, and the other, and and uh, Peter can't find his way home because of Mephisto, and it's like uh, <laughs> it's like uh, one more day or whatever. Yeah, uh, yeah, make a deal with uh, Mephisto when you erase stuff. Right. So they 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 just said Madison, you know, I will die for Madison, and Madison is our new queen, <laughs> and. <laughs> And oh my goodness! Mephisto actually, or she just defeated Mephisto, or she there's going to be a miniseries where she goes back to hell and she fights Mephisto, like all these different. Just and I'm like, okay, well, hmm, I guess she had a different impact on other people <laughs> than she had on me. Whoa, this woman is five foot ten. Holy awesome. moly! Right on, <laughs> Patty Guggenheim. And so, and so watching it in the second go around i i approached it with different eyes and then i then i did exactly what you just described i watched her performance Mm -hmm. and how an actress can hold on to that level of drunk and still be funny (laughs) right and i and i saw it i saw it so yeah i appreciate appreciate her performance as madison like oh my gosh so crazy (laughs) blue curacao like Mm -hmm. in my throat right now Yep. Um, the the whole Donnie stuff I could have kind of done without. Um, I didn't love that as much as I loved the little pieces of the Madison thing because I feel like I've seen the uh, 
Oh, I feel like in all of the horror movies that I watch, I've seen the, I'm a fake magician, but oh shit, I'm going to bring out the real magic. Or I'm a fake exorcist, and I'm going to accidentally cause a real exorcism, or you know, mm. bring forth a demon, or whatever. I feel like I've seen that bit a lot. Uh, so then when Donnie Blaze starts, you know, screwing around and then, um, you know, getting himself in trouble and all that kind of thing, I felt like that was more expected stuff as opposed to something interesting. But here is something that you might find interesting. In the last, no, in the last, in this episode, wow. And this, this is, epi- th- yeah, this is the episode where she starts going on the dates, though. Yeah, but in this episode and all the previous episodes, the three previous episodes, was directed by someone named Kat Coiro. Yeah, she did the uh, final one, too. And this guy is her husband. Oh, is that right? That played Donnie? Yes. Oh, that's funny. So I did not know they that. Added, they added a paycheck to the household that week. Well, there you go, yeah. And he was barefoot. I think you should know that. <laughs> I saw that. I... <laughs> <laughs> You know, like I said, I've got this going while while we're talking, and it's just like so many, and it's just like a blatant choice to show so many feet. Yes, but he had abs, though. He also had abs. Yeah, he did. He, I mean, the man is in good shape. Good shape. Yeah. Uh, this is this is the infamous. Uh, the only sort of discourse I had heard about this episode is. Uh, it was sort of like some right wing typical people to where they were like, "Oh, this is what this is what the libs want out of their women." Uh, that's which, this episode. Which women though? There's many women in this episode. Well, it's the it's the uh, bit towards the end where it's Jennifer as She Hulk, and she's with the muscly man where she takes him to bed. The second muscly man. Yeah, the second one. The first muscly man was a dude bro who. Wanted to compare a bench. Yeah, where he was weight. talking about lifting, and he was he was a little too uh, muscly. Mm-hmm. You know, because they, they, he goes from them to the art person, like the film critic. And I'm like, ooh, I don't love this. I don't like being seen like this. Where he's talking about <laughs> what what art is, and then he goes to the main villain. But you skipped you skipped the first guy. Oh, who was the first guy? Did I skip it? No, the first guy before the muscle guy. <clears throat> The first guy was broke as hell, wasn't working, and was looking at his phone. Oh him. yeah, here it is. Yeah, that was the yeah that was a while ago when she was going out as Jennifer. As Jennifer, that's right. Yeah. You know why I know him? You know why I have uh, pointed him out? Who's this guy? His name was the character's name was Alan. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a sad time. <laughs> And it was spelled the same way. <laughs> Why did it have to be Alan? He was there. It is. Yeah, Ryan Powers. I wish he would have tripped and bumped his head on the way out. It <laughs> was horrible. He was. He was the worst. Looking at his phone the whole time, not talking to her, not even looking at her. Yeah. Mm. And that's when she decided this was. This is not working. Yeah, Unless I'm not getting any matches. I need to go as as She Hulk. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so we get the uh, we get the bits of the little montage of the different dates, and like I said, we get the first muscly man, then we get the villain of the piece, and then we get the guy that she connects with that's really into her, uh, and that's the dude that she later pounces on and then picks up and takes to her bed, and that was the whole like 
the big Republican MAGA, like, oh, this is what Democratic men are like these days to where they're, <laughs> you know, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, dude, yeah. tell me you didn't watch the show without – tell me you didn't watch the show. <laughs> right? Yeah. And also, who are they trying to kid? Mm-hmm. They, they think <laughs> that we don't know that they – on a weekend gets ball gags and all sorts of um, chains and have mistresses whip them and these Republican don't don't even try it people like we know what goes down in your little yeah. exclusive clubs on Park Avenue we've seen the television shows that lampoon you guys y'all love your cake just as much as we do so don't even come with this story like you're so high and mighty and proper and holy and chaste and bullcrap yeah the whole high and mighty on stuff like that is just it's just so off-putting anymore in the in the world of 2023 it's like why why is anything anybody's business it's like just who cares? <laughs> Come on and talk about it. It's just so much who cares with a lot of that kind of thing. And they just think that it's because they have this this so-called moral center. Yeah, the moral authority, yeah. But they can't uphold. Mm. Why? Because they're as human as we are. That's why. And one and of the so, things that's nice about this is Jennifer Walters doesn't claim to be high and mighty. She's not trying to say that she's like, she doesn't even want to be a superhero. Ah. Right? Like, that's what I, that's what I think is one of the more important things to where she's just trying to be her lawyer self. Mm hmm. She can't help it that, uh, she dragged her cousin out of that wreck and got blood in her, in her wound. Yeah. That wasn't her fault. And so here when she is helping Wong try to clean up Donnie's mess, it's like, yeah, you know, I'll help you out. Uh, I don't. I'm not really sure what I'm doing. Um, you know, I'll break some stuff. I'll smash some shit. <laughs> but it's like, you know, she's not thinking like this is a permanent way that my life is going to be now. It's just that's what she was called to do and asked to do from a friend of hers. So that's what she's gonna do. Mm-hmm. Plus, it's the kind of the right thing to do, and she's a lawyer, and mm-hmm. she's got a moral center as well. Yeah, and she does throughout, right? Because even on that Sunday after she sleeps with the Josh guy, and and they call to check in on a meal, and in a later episode, she's like, "Well, I mean, he hasn't called me back. He hasn't, you know, texted me back. Whatever. Yeah, I guess I'll go. I'll check it out. You know, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll go sacrifice my Saturday because that's part of the job, and that's what I'm supposed to do. Sunday. Sunday. You're right." Yeah, so so yes, this is the episode where she accidentally spills the wine on her date, and she's all excited about that, and then Wong comes and interrupts stuff for her, and then she has to go defeat the demons and all that kind of business, right? And comes back covered in some demon goo. Some demon goo, yeah, and he's like, oh, you got a little demon goo. Um, this is also when poor uh, Jennifer's talking about how hard it is dating in your 30s. <laughs> 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 I just was like, ah, uh, yeah, this is this is a uh, I know what demographic this is going for. <laughs> <laughs> but then you get that you get that piece of She Hulk got 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 her man. She Hulk got, got her groove back. She got She Hulk got her groove. How how She Hulk got her groove <laughs> back. Right. But in the morning. Old dude saw Jen. And oh yeah, and he Hulk. says I'm not into this. And he laughed. He didn't even. 
Like, what a prick. Yeah, really, because it's not like it's not like she was saying, oh, yeah, I can't do that ever again or something. Right? <laughs> it was just like, this is, yeah, this is just my normal self. Like, I can turn into her whenever I feel like it. <laughs> and if you play your cards right, I'll do it every time. Yeah, but really. Yeah, really. Not, he doesn't stick around to do any kind of conversation. No, he's like, well, I'm a day player that's only supposed to be here for one episode. So see ya. <laughs> <laughs> He will return, though. We yeah, that's him. right. That's right. But yes, this is when she gets served at the end because she is infringing on Jamila Jamil's copyright. <laughs> uh, and that leads us to episode five, which I said, Alan, is the roughest episode for me. Oh, this is the one to where I was like, even if the material is good, you're giving me one ninth of the series on copyright and trademark infringement. And I just don't care. <laughs> that was, that was sort of the thing. Like, even when the material is good, like this is the subject of this episode. And I just, I just couldn't be bothered. Could not be bothered. No, it's like in, in some of the things I said on some of the, uh, I said this in episode seven, uh, but it applies here as well. But the series to me felt like, a 24 issue run in nine episodes to where it's like we had all of these different sort of things that we were we were doing but they were like and then this happens in this issue and then this happens in this other issue and now we're gonna try this and now we're gonna try that and it's Mm -hmm. like geez louise like this didn't it didn't feel like as much of a tonal cohesive thing as it could have to me and i do believe that that was the intention that every episode was going to be an episode of a sitcom season and not like a string of, um, you know, a, a big story arc, except it did wind up being a big story arc, but they leaned really heavy into the one and done episode episodic. haha. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, it's 32 minutes and 34 minutes and 39 minutes of, of a supposedly haha. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but supposedly, haha, is where I'm kind of Because I'm hearing that it didn't work all the time for you, so I'm no. not going to tell you that it's. Well, this is, it, I mean, we get your boy right away. We get your uh, little cousin guy straight Ooh, away. I already hate. Yeah. He's at the house and he's, or he's at the apartment, you know, just doing God knows what. Every time he came on, I was like, I just. I don't care what this dude's doing. <laughs> well, the reason why he showed up is because he took a bunch of titanium stuff that says She-Hulk all over it and thought that it was Jen's stuff mm-hmm. and wanted her to sign it so he could capitalize on the on selling the reselling the stuff with her signature on it. Yeah, he's trying to slab. He's trying to <laughs> he's trying to sell stuff back as a nine point eight. And make that eBay money is what he's trying to do. Yep, and and that's and she's trying to explain to him that's this is not my stuff. It's it's titanium stuff. And then he Ched explains <laughs> the law to her. Right. Copyright law to her. And I'm surprised she didn't turn to the Hulk right there. <laughs> well, because she's used to it, right? Like she's used to having to deal with these dudes saying this kind of bullcrap to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They also included <coughs> Jen's, um, you know, in, in I think she was talking to, she must have been talking to Pug at, mm-hmm. at the same time with uh, Nikki there or somebody. 
and one of the one of her reports is um, one of the at one of the advantages of being She-Hulk is that she's able to walk at home at night wearing headphones without being afraid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that was another, and you know, and and Nikki said every woman's dream. So that was another insight into the world of what it's like being a woman in this in in this stupid male dominated asshole world that was built by these dumb I can't you know I just can't say enough negative ad- adjectives and adverbs about the way men have made this world the patriarchy the pa- smash that shit mm. so this is this is something that women want us to know that we are making it difficult for them just to be normal in this society because we don't know how to fucking act towards women. <laughs> Absolutely. This Get is also shit together, man. This is also the episode that uh that Alan describes himself as mean green and straight poured into these jeans. <laughs> <laughs> so you're talking about my weight now? <laughs> I'm just talking about when you go to me? when you go to the gym is what I'm talking about. <laughs> Except I I'm assuming you don't wear jeans at the gym. <laughs> I am wearing jeans at this very moment. Oh look at you. I, mean, I can't tell you the last time I wore jeans. No, thank you. It's a bit of a relief. You'd rather know I'm wearing jeans than nothing, right? Well, that's right. That's that's usually the, the Rachel Z-Leg sort of risk. <laughs> so you got some pants on. She's like, I'm wearing sweats. Okay, good, 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 good. <laughs> uh, so, yes, this episode is when we get the uh, the sort of confrontation with Titania about uh, her products and we get the uh, the side quest of trying to figure out where all of the um, the the dressmaker right like where the the costumes come from and we get the what yeah. is it the like the Avengers or whatever and uh, yeah. all the copyright that, that stuff did fall flat for me yeah that was stuff where I was like okay this 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 feels like what I felt like when I watched um the first like episode or two of uh shield to where I was like this just feels like it's actors trying to make something out of nothing and just trying to trying to do something on the cheap is what it makes me feel like I'm watching cuz I watched yeah. I cuz I watched some of those uh some I watched a few of those agent of shield ones and I was just like I just this just seems like it was made for like 10 bucks. I just I don't I don't know what this is. <laughs> and this one, but they leaned into the cheapness of it, right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. They had those knockoff products and that Yeah, with the Avengers. <laughs> Captain America shield. Yeah, he's got the Avengers and he's got the, the Thor's hammer and he's got the shield and they just they look like the, right the colors. No. <laughs> they just look like the worst people. Awful. And it, and it made me question you really liked Nikki and made me question what is what what is going on with this character? Mm-hmm. Like for me, for me, Nikki was like the annoying BFF in every sitcom. Ah, uh, so that may be. I don't see. That's the thing. Like I watch, we we maybe watch like three sitcoms, and. I used to watch a lot of it, but then I was kind of like, okay, I get it. Like, I, I don't need, I don't need this anymore. And then with so much of a break to see, to sort of be like reintroduced to a character like that, I'm like, oh yeah, this is why I used to watch these sort of things mm-hmm. is because she's just like the supportive friend who will do whatever it takes to, to do what's best for Jennifer. 
and have the snappy quips mm-hmm. and the rapid fire. Because she has she has almost the the better role compared to Tatiana Mont Maslany because she she gets all of the good lines but doesn't have to do any character development stuff. <laughs> like like all she has to do is is be funny, and that's that's what her purpose is. And do we do we value that? In, no, uh, I I think that that's good. It's just like it just feels like an it's an easier and and better role as opposed to you know Jennifer has all of the weight of carrying the show to where she's got to have all of these different shades to where you're like oh yeah this is a real person to where Nikki's just like oh yeah she's the she's the funny side character. So that was that w- and and it has been quite a while since I watched a sitcom as well. What, what was the last one I ever watched? I tried to watch Two Broke Girls. Oh, yeah, with Kat Dennings and because the Kat blonde Dennings girl. Uh-huh. And as soon as I hear a laugh track, I'm like, I'm not doing this. Yes. So I was glad that this didn't have a, a laugh track. So glad. Oh, yeah. my God. What a disaster that would have been. Yes. That would have been failure from the very first chuckle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was that. glad that that didn't have that. Um, but so, as the series goes on, we see purpose for both Nikki and Pug. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay. And as I understand it, Pug is another character from the comics. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't know that. I'm sure I'm sure he doesn't look like um whatchamacallit though. I didn't look him. He up. doesn't look like Josh Sagara. No. And I and I and I also think that, you know, they they kind of they kind of wasted his him being pug because like his shirt didn't come off once and i don't know what <laughs> that's all about yeah who's in charge of of the shirts who the hell decided <laughs> to have him as a character in this show and not and keep him clothed the entire time that's just that's not wise yeah one of the characters that i thought was uh she sort of snuck up on me throughout the show but it was miss book it was renee elise yes. goldsberry let's get into it yeah, to where I thought, you know, she's introduced early on, mm-hmm. and we're kind of like, oh, yeah, okay, um, she's whatever. But it's not really until this episode where she's having to, uh, she's really having to sort of help out uh, Jennifer to where you're like, oh, no, like, she's really good at her job. <laughs> like, look at her. She's actually yeah. all right. And I loved the idea of how these other women looked up to her to where they were like, man, where does she shop? What? She has a, she's married? She has kids? They were saying later, like, they were just surprised at her, uh, because they knew so little about her because she was such a closed book. No mm-hmm. pun intended. Ooh, yes, pun intended. <laughs> so I just thought that that was really interesting because in this scene, in the middle of this episode, she's being factual, she's being professional, and then we have, uh, both She-Hulk and Titania both just looking, you know, just being as broad and big as possible and just as uh, glitzy and glamoury and, and whatever. And then she's just doing her work as a professional woman. And so I just liked that she was in there as as that role. And so they gave, so they switched out the black um, Thunderball. Oh, right. The Thunderball. Wrecking the white actor. And here they switched out the white Mallory book from the comics for this black actress. Oh, okay. All right, One. Mallory Book. And two, Renee Elise Goldberry, Goldberry mm-hmm. has 
made a pact with Mephisto in real life. Uh oh. Don't you tell me what her age is. I, I, I won't tell you that. Let me see. Because I don't know it. Okay. But I will tell you this. When I was in. No, I wasn't in high school. When I was just out of high school, <laughs> maybe I was in my early 20s. I watched soap operas. Okay. Mm-hmm. And Miss Renee Elise Goldsberry was a character on One Life to Live. Oh, One Life to Live. Evangeline Williamson. Thank 269 you episodes. <laughs> Thank you very much. Wow. Do you see the year that she was on that show? She was on there from uh, 1999 to 2007. 1999 to 2007. Mm -hmm. Can I tell you, she does not look a single bit different than she did when she was on that show. Mm. 20 years later, 23 years later. She was on an episode of Star Trek Enterprise as well. She is also one of the major actors in... Um, Hamilton. Oh, I didn't know that. So because she's in Hamilton, Hamilton blew up. That's my theory. <laughs> That's my theory right there. Uh, boy, she's been in a lot of stuff. She was uh, right. she's in 23 episodes of The Good Wife. Uh, she was in 44 episodes of Ally McBeal. Yeah. Oh, Ally McBeal. She, yeah, really. She's in uh, Eureka, the TV show, the animated TV show. Um, and then get a look at this. She is nine years older than me. <laughs> nine years older than you. Nine. That, so she's in her 50s? That she's in her 50s. She's in her 50s in that show? Uh, yes. We're looking at a 50-year-old woman? <laughs> we are. <laughs> get into that. God damn that. Well, I know where all the CGI budget had to have gone, because there's no way that's a 50-year-old woman. Lies! <laughs> there's no way she's 50 years old. She is fifty. What? Fifty? Just fifty? Well, she's seventy-one. So she was. She was. Uh, fifty-two years old. Yeah. Fifty-two that's years 52 old this year. Old, hey, hey. That's mm. a fifty-two-year-old woman you're looking at. I guess so. Okay. I guess so, man. Talk about uh, setting the bar. She is a superhuman. <laughs> she is amazing. Mm-hmm. Amazing, and it, it, it's a good. It's a good look. That she's playing Mallory Book, mm-hmm. and I'm and I'm glad that that rhymed. <laughs> there you go. This is also the introduction to uh, Griffin Matthews, who is our uh, our fashionista in this show. Plays Luke Jacobson. Yeah, that him. He felt a little flat for me. He felt a little flat. You didn't like yeah, him? Yeah, he was because he was clearly filling the role of Edna Mode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. From the Incredibles. Yeah, that's what I thought too. Or what was the dude in Daredevil that Matt used to go to? Oh, but that guy was not trying to be. He wasn't doing fashion. It was just all. I mean, it was all like armor and stuff. But yeah, and just practical equipment. But then you know, since Matt knows that guy, and he's like, "Oh, that's where I get my suits," mm-hmm. right? And they make that joke. I'm like, well. You got you got this dude in L.A. making your suits, and you got a dude in New York making your armor. What are you doing? I know, but they just had to they just had to bring him in because it's necessary. Well, we'll we'll talk about how necessary it is. This is also yeah. the re- the return of the the big bad that we don't know is the big bad mm-hmm. when he's sitting here next to Miss Book sipping on his soda like some kind of upper middle class white just fool an idiot. Just mm. 
made to hate. He's just made for us to hate him. You know, I can't imagine having a face like this dude. I see this guy and I'm like, give me a reason to slap you. And I don't even, <laughs> I don't even know if I need one. Because I'm like, I just look at it. I'm like, God, I just want to punch this guy's face. That's not nice. I don't care. <laughs> Am I going to see this man? No way. Watch, watch you meet him. Watch well, him. I'll meet him and I'll say, you know what I want to do? I watch She-Hulk. Stay away from me because I'm going to slap you. He'll show you what a nice guy he actually is. Yeah, that's right. He's probably a real sweetheart in real life. That's usually the way that it is, right? The guys that play villains are the ones that are the sweetest. Maybe. I don't, mm. I don't know. I Maybe. believe that's what I, I, I've i heard. That's the word. <clears throat> but this but, is uh, this is the... Uh, uh, this was, like I said, this was the one that was the roughest for me. This is the one that that uh, I had the most struggle with. Yeah. Well, let me, let me um, fortify that. So Mallory Book is from the comics. Pug, uh, um, Pug is um, created by Dan Slott. Oh, okay. So he he featured in that run of the of the Dan Slott in the Dan Slott run, and I'm looking at his picture, and he doesn't look totally unlike the actor. Mm. He's just is thicker because he was a bouncer, according to this information. Okay. But also according to this information, he had the he was working for this firm, Goodman, Lieber, Kurtzberg, and Holloway in the superhero division. So that whole storyline is from Dan Slott. Okay, interesting. That firm is from Dan Slott. And let me say this. I don't know who Goodman is, but I know who Lieber and Kurtzberg is. Oh, this is, uh, this is the references to the early Marvel stuff. Because Lieber is who? Old Stan Lee. And Kurtzberg is who? Uh, tell me. Jack the King. Oh, that's Kurt. what Jack Kirby's real name is? Yep. Oh. How did I not know that? I don't know. Well, isn't it isn't Goodwin just Archie Goodwin then? Good man. Oh, um, good man. No. Yeah, it's good man is the name of the oh. name, so I don't know who that is. But Lieber Kirkberg, yeah. Hmm. So go ahead, Dan Slot. Oh, and also, and also, and also, and also, in one of these ep- one of the episode coming up, uh, when Jen's car gets wrecked, the um, tow truck is is Slot. Oh, <laughs> there Slot you go. Is the, is the name of the company, uh, and the good- driver is wearing a name tag that says Dan. How dare you? Uh, Goodman is uh, for Martin Goodman. The Who is that? Well, he was the he was a publisher, but he was also the creator of the Human Torch and the Submariner. Okay then. Yeah. Fine. Okay. Pulp publisher Martin Goodman. Got you, got you, got you. Yeah. And Mallory Book was also um, included in that run. Okay. Hmm. So well, they brought, I, I knew they the Stan Lee thing. I'm I'm surprised that I didn't know that that's what Jack Kirby's name really was though. Yeah. How do I not know that? Come on. Ah, uh, it's all right. You I read con- I read Marvel the Untold Story. How do I must not have retained that information. Cut the whole thing out. <laughs> oh no, I don't mind. I don't mind about embarrassing my own self. So, <laughs> uh, episode six. This is the one that I thought was the funniest of all of them. This is just Jen. And why did I think that this was so funny, Alan? 
Well, let me look over my notes and maybe. I'll... Wait, no, wait, 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 wait. Before we go to Justin. Oh, okay. What did we miss in episode five? Pug, Pug's sneaker um, collection. The re- the reason why he had um, a drip. What do you call them? A drip, drip broker. Oh and yeah. His Pug collects these. He's, um, he's got one to wear and one to, one to sure. rock and one to something. Stock, maybe? One for stock and one to rock, something like that, maybe? I don't know. Yeah. That's, that seems way too young for me to be saying it. <laughs> but in the end of the episode, we get to see his shoe collection in those pictures. Oh, okay. He's showing Nikki in, this, um, in, this, in one of the pictures. And in that picture... You see all these shoes? He's holding the Iron Man 3. Oh, that's right. He wanted the Iron Man 3s. Mm-hmm. And on the wall behind the two of them are all these different shoes based on these comic characters. Uh. One of them is Deadpool. Mm-mm. One of them is Wolverine. Uh. One of them is Cyclops. Okay. And one of them is The Thing. Interesting. So what's up? Interesting. This this is not the first time that the X-Men will get uh, brought up. True. It's a couple of times because they get brought up by name, but then we get brought up by the way that uh, Nikki is holding her uh, makeup utensils, we'll call them, <laughs> to where she jumps out and is like trying to fix up. Oh, yeah! <laughs> She's like fixing up Jen on the penultimate episode. And yeah. she holds a Wolverine style. <laughs> just when, just when, um, just when Jen is is the, the fourth wall is gone, right? And she doesn't know why we're still watching, right? Yeah. Well, is there, there going to be some sort of last minute change of the plot or whatever? Yeah. Right. Is there going to be some kind of big reveal? And then, and then Nikki jumps out with that, and it's like, oh no, is Nikki the big bad? <laughs> yeah. Well, she's too silly. I never took her that seriously when she mm-hmm. when she jumped out. Uh, so for a second, the, no. <laughs> Something about the way that she her like persona, I just couldn't really take her that seriously. I guess. Uh, but episode six, this is when she gets invited to be a bridesmaid. Yes. Um, and boy, is her is the bride horrible? <laughs> the bride <laughs> is horrible. Uh, and she was, you know, the episode is is stronger because she's so good at being horrible but she's Mm. terrible to jennifer uh but the thing that made me laugh so much and so often is mr immortal (laughs) oh all right then (laughs) oh i thought this was so good good for you (laughs) bless your heart (laughs) (laughs) i just thought that it was all of the negotiations were so dumb and it is so (laughs) i put in here that like it is so surprising to myself at the stupid things that I will think are just so dumb and I can't even be bothered. And then some of the stupid stuff that I think is so funny. And I don't know if it's just performance or what it is exactly about it. But this made me laugh so much because, you know, he's he's talking and he's trying to be rational. And he's just this mansplaining white bro again. Right. <laughs> and he's just got this like little bit of air of being posh. And I love the fact that he just jumps out the window. 
<laughs> I love the idea of him having not only all of these women, but all of these different women of color. He's got a, a man that's in there. He's got this one white woman. I love that the old, the white woman only gets 20 seconds of eye contact. And that's what she gets. And like all of the women of color get all this money. And her, his husband gets all this money. And a white woman gets eye contact. I just think that that's so stupid. Oh, man, I think that's really good. <clears throat> we, we love to li- listen to you laugh, Eric. <laughs> well, it doesn't it doesn't happen too often, but in this, I was just like, that is really, really funny. Success, then. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, then the, the show, the series is a success. Yeah, so I was like... I, I just put the, the deals are so good. I was like eye contact and then I did a little smiley face. Then I also put the wedding stuff. Fuck. <laughs> to where the wedding stuff, like it felt like it was a completely different episode to me mm. to where that tonally wasn't quite it was like wasn't on the same level. And where I get that that's fine when you're doing a little two hander action where you have got one, you know, two different tones. But when we're with jennifer and she's doing this all of the horrible biddings of all of the not only just the bride but all the other bridesmaids Mm -hmm. i was just like this is just too much of like a romantic comedy to where they're just piling on and it's like the bad version of what they do to peter parker Mm -hmm. this is like the bad version of that to where they're just piling on just to pile on and they're just being mean in like a completely unbelievable kind of a way from like really they got like they got all of their shirts wrinkled from playing video games and now you've got to be the one that has to iron them in this setting. I was like, I don't think so. Mm. You know, it didn't seem realistic. That well, they no, I was that. like, I was like, shit, I've been married twice. Stuff like this hasn't happened. Like this doesn't happen. <laughs> Give me a break. <laughs> you know, At either one of your weddings. No, neither one. There was no, there was no ironing. But you weren't uh, you weren't the the bride and the br- and and bridesmaids. Yeah, but I wasn't playing any video games either. I wasn't playing any video games. I was keeping my shit not didn't need to be ironed. <laughs> <clears throat> I was on my best behavior. But it was just like you know, there's plenty of drama. But that was just seemed really goofy. I did really like the white the wedding fight though. That okay. that ends this episode. I thought that that was really good. It didn't last too long either. No, no. And it was silly enough to where I was like, okay, like this seems like it had it had the right sort of balance of being silly, but then there was actual like good action that was in there. Mm. Um, so it was kind of like, I feel like that's another one of those that's really hard to measure. Like you just sort of have to know in your gut what's the right amount of slapstick and sort of just goofy comedy mixed with actual strong action moments but you know what it does set up though for us Mm. it sets up that jen has gotten the a deal with the with the drip broker to get um oh yeah she's got to get her fashion moment for her she-hulk body and then she goes to the wedding as she-hulk and the bride is like this is my day this is not your day (laughs) Mm -hmm. so Everybody's supposed to be looking at me and you're taking it away from me. So you have to please don't be She-Hulk. That means that everybody knew that she's She-Hulk. Mm-hmm. And now they're dumping on her to iron this and go get that and clean this. So I think they were doing that because they were jealous. Mm-hmm. Because she looked amazing coming to the wedding. Mm-hmm. And she knew it and she was eating that up. 
and then they took that away from her. That's right. This is also the episode that introduces Josh. And he yes. is just so nice and charming and says all the things. And I love the idea that he comes in and he's like, you know, saying he wanted to sit next to this beautiful woman and wanted us to not be awkward. And I love the idea that she just kind of rolls with it. And I think that this is where um, Tatiana Maslani is really, really strong mm-hmm. in this sort of scene to where this guy sits next to her and starts hitting on her. And she's just kind of like, yeah, okay, this is just another dude that's hitting on me. It's whatever. (laughs) And isn't sort of like romantic comedy, like storybook, like, Oh my gosh, I never thought this would happen. You know, she's not reacting in that kind of a way. Mm -hmm. And instead it's just more of, okay. Yeah, this guy's all right. But, uh, you know, I'm not too worried about it. Um, yeah, yeah. I just love the, I just love that attitude. Yeah. Yeah, and then we get the bit where, which is, I think, I think probably one of the more awkward things that's consistently done in Hollywood, but it's really well done here because of her again, and it is the the DJ dancing sequence, right? And I think that what's so awkward about this in, in, you know, not to burst anybody's bubble, but they don't have music playing during these things because they can't have music playing because it takes so much longer to cut all that music out. Mm. So it's got to be silent. And then they put in this music later. And it so, to, so awkward. to, to see her so just bad. dancing, doing all this stuff. And then in every scene in every show in every movie in every, every time <laughs> yeah. it always looks so bad. Dancing so out of sync with the actual music that's playing. Well, right. And I, what I thought was funny here is it just seemed like, she was saying before this before this scene started, like, I don't give a shit how this looks. I'm just going to go out and dance. You can put whatever you want in here because I'm just going to act like a fool and I don't give a shit. <laughs> because she just had this sort of sense of sort of, you know, oh, it's like borders on that sort of attention seeking kind of behavior that I really have a hard time with. But mm-hmm. I felt like she was just not being self-conscious in the least and was just like, I'm just going to go have me some fun as Jennifer Walters. And I don't care what any of y'all think. Cause they already stripped her of her She-Hulk. Yeah. They already told her that you can't be this beautiful. You can't take all this attention up. You, you got to tone it down for, for the bride. And, and so she just swallowed that up and said, Oh, well, okay. I tried. Mm-hmm. I really wanted to do this. And here you are all, acting like you acting so whatever mm-hmm. and since i'm here fuck it mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm going exactly. to have a good time anyway exactly and then we got the uh that's when we got the negotiations that i already mentioned that mm-hmm. i thought were so funny and then this is when she really starts falling for the josh guy and this is the moment where i was like ooh okay here's where the drunk acting isn't working for me as well mm-hmm. because she's like crystal clear eyed <laughs> and just like really kind of has herself put together more than uh, many drunken people that I see regularly uh, do. And I'm like, okay, I can see that you're just putting upon an act. And uh, But what about Madison? Like, was she totally... See, I thought that she sounded like she was actually drunk. Like, I thought <laughs> that... I was like, oh, yeah, she sounds like she is having a rough time. <laughs> to where I felt like Jennifer Walters was like, oh yeah, I'm gonna. This is how I think people that are drunk sound. So, <laughs> so there's the difference. But then, yeah, I, I like I said, I really liked 
that fight and then we uh after that we get the intelligentsia introduction mm-hmm. and we get the whole bit about you know the two side women are becoming friends and they're they come up with a plan and then nikki goes against that plan right away mm-hmm. which i thought was funny <clears throat> and then we get that final sort of action beat with the the sort of uh the dramatic sort of cliffhanger of the of the episode of what's in these vials and what's this big needle and all that kind of thing well that big needle was the <laughs> one that was bent up from thunderbolt trying to get her blood when they attacked her when the mm-hmm. wrecking crew was trying to attack her so it was it's a link to the wrecking crew's plan when they attacked her to get her blood that failed they were talking about a boss at the end of this episode we discover the boss that hired them had to be intelligentsia because they have the bent up um, needle Mm -hmm. that didn't Mm -hmm. get her blood. So it also shows us that if they're going to get her blood, they got to get it some other way because that's not working and that didn't work, but they still are moving forward with some kind of plan. But I, but I want to say that in that scene where she enters, where she, she approaches the wedding that ladies and gentlemen, as the She-Hulk with that dress on, that is what an eight heads tall figure <laughs> <looks> like. Yes. <laughs> a very tall that woman. Comic book accurate, eight heads tall, statuesque uh, superhero body right there. Mm-hmm. There you go. So whenever Alan's oh, talking oh, about this that. This is another thing I want to say. Mm-hmm. I want to shout it out for the LGBTQIA plus people. Because I bet you didn't know this, and I didn't know it either until I found out just today. Lulu the Bride uh-huh. is a trans woman. Oh, is that right? That is 100% right. Ah, I had no idea. And I pumped my fist like, girl, yeah, you better good work. for you. Huh. Isn't that wonderful? That is, yeah. I, I thought it was wonderful. Patty Harrison is her name. Yeah, Patty okay. Harrison. Huh. huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I didn't. I'm. She's done. A, she's been in a lot of different things. Um, nothing really that a lot of animated stuff. Uh, like, you know, anything's from Bob's Burgers that Rachel's a big fan of. Um, but yeah, she's got a lot of a lot of things on here. But I, it was. She had one of those faces to where I was like, I feel like I've seen this person before, but it wasn't anybody that I recognized. Hmm. She reminded me of Daisy Fuentes. Oh, yeah, okay. Daisy Fuentes, man, that's a dated reference now, Alan. I uh, know. Listen, I'm old, <laughs> y'all. I got, I got decades of memories here. <laughs> Literal decades of memories. Uh, in episode seven, Alan, this is called The Retreat. It is. And we start off with this uh, very romantic comedy sort of setup to where we get the days of the week. We get... Jennifer Walters as, you know, she's getting ready for this first date. She's taking a shot, which I think was a hilarious little bit because you're assuming that this is early on in the day when you first see that she's taking a shower and stuff. But she takes a shot and then she gets ready for this date. And so you're like, oh, it's later than I thought, but still. And she's making this Josh guy kind of wait for a while. Like they have the the awkward hug, handshake. (laughs) They're texting during the day. They're doing all this stuff. They finally hook up, and then he doesn't respond. 
And then that's so, when that's wait, when we start diving in. Down just a just a just a tag. Well, yeah, go ahead. Tell me that she is three dates, right? Three yeah. dates. Yeah. So, men, if you want to score, you'll have to have dates longer than just one night. <laughs> I think that's the. That's what she hooks telling you. <laughs> no, I don't know. And then also, um, when she gets one of those texts during those three days while she's Jen, while she's She Hulk at the office, because oh, if we hadn't mentioned it, the only reason why she's working at this place is because she has to be She Hulk. Mm-hmm. They want her to head up the Superhuman Law Division, a new thing that they had just opened up. That is also from the comics that Dan Slott um, did. And so when she's in the office, she always has to be She Hulk. And she's getting the messages as She-Hulk uh, during these datings. And that was one of the first times that I started to notice that, that the CGI looked good mm. for her face. Uh-huh. Because I could see the Tatiana Maslany of it all in the blushing kind of um, excited that she's getting that she's dating somebody as Jen, mm-hmm. not as She-Hulk. Yeah, because I'm looking at it here, and it's when – this is a little bit later in the episode, but it's when she's talking to Nikki. And I think that this is part of what the struggle was with me is that there are episodes like this where it looks really good, and it looks like her. Mm-hmm. And then in other episodes, it doesn't look as good, and that it's that inconsistency is what is what sort of highlighted the, the flaws to me. Like if it if it didn't look good as a whole – Mm-hmm. maybe I would have been able to just think, okay, well, when it looks this way, it just doesn't look very good. But it's like when it looked good and then not as good in back-to-back episodes or what have you, um, that's when it was kind of more noticeable, I guess. Yeah, and that's just super um, unfortunate because you know how it, how some of the words start to come out from uh, the animators about their hours yes. and the pressure. yes. And- how they were being so driven and what's attached to the story I'm going to tell about the writer uh, in our next episode is that um, it was done in 2019. Mm. They started to, they were doing um, the the post-production and all that stuff uh, during the pandemic. Oh, huh. So, it was compromised. Their ability to to work and do their best was compromised by all that stuff we heard, the pressure, the hours, the this and that and the other, and that the world was going through a pandemic at the mm-hmm. same time. Mm-hmm. So who knows? They could have been doing that animation on their MacBooks at home. Could have been. This is uh, this episode is co-written by Zeb Wells. That's right. The Zeb Wells of comic book fame. Mm-hmm. That factors into uh, what I'm going to say about the writer of the next episode. Oh, okay. But this one, this one also, there was um, also about the expression on She-Hulk's face is that this is this is when she goes to check out Emil Blonsky's um, kind of device that was short circuiting or something was wrong and the the um what's that guy what does he do the take (laughs) 
parole officer. Oh. Parole officer <laughs> yeah. calls up Jen on the Sunday morning. The reason why I said it was Sunday that last time is because it was Sunday being the third day that Josh hadn't called her. Mm-hmm. So on Sunday, she woke up with the phone ringing because she hoped that it was Josh who hadn't called her for three days already. And it wasn't. It was this guy, and, he's, and she and he needed her to, to go out with him to see what's going on with Emil Blonsky's little don't-have-powers-on um, monitor. And he wanted, a she, he wanted a Hulk with him because if he's being the abomination, he wants to have a She-Hulk. And she said, okay, yeah, why not, whatever. Plus, she was getting kind of, you know, down in the dumps because this dude hadn't called her back. Mm-hmm. They smashed. <laughs> and then he dips. And that's like, again... Typical man. Typical eating. man. Very uh, clear commentary being made here. Even mm-hmm. as She-Hulk, she can't get She-Hulk. this guy to stick around. So at this point, we're just looking at a jerk. We don't know yet mm-hmm. right. the deal. That's right. So, yes, so since she goes up there with the parole officer, she has to figure out what the deal is with the meal, right? And that's when she meets who? Who does she meet up here? All of them, all the <laughs> D-listers. She meets El Aguilara. Uh-huh. She meets Manbull. <laughs> she meets Porcupine. Mm-hmm. And she meets Saracen. Mm-hmm. And she meets and she meets Wrecker, which is um, what they're calling him. But one of the four of the Re- of the Wrecking Crew, the guy that had the the, the speaking lines. Yeah, Wrecker. Uh... Then there was Piledriver and Bulldozer were both uncredited. Yeah, and they didn't have any speaking lines. Either. Yeah, right. But Wrecker is there at this retreat, and those others are there at the retreat. And I will, I will just, you know, pump my fist and clap my hands at the accuracy of those costumes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because Porcupine looked like his original look, and mm-hmm. also a few other... Um, appearances of porcupine which when i look at it in the comic book always looks ridiculous <laughs> never looks good and then is poorly ever, portrayed <laughs> ever looked good but the the thing that kind of snatched my heart up when i saw a porcupine on this on the screen is that porcupine wound up being a character named oh don't tell me i'm 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 forgetting his name i I can't believe I forgot his name. Well, anyway, I will, I will talk about him more, and maybe his name will pop up. Dennis came to my mind, but his name is not Dennis. That character featured in an, in a couple of Spider-Woman series because he becomes uh, Jessica Drew's boyfriend. Oh, that's right. In that, uh, in that uh, short-lived series of hers, there, yes. is, there is two... There is either Alexander Gentry or Roger Goking or Gocking. That's his name. Okay. Roger. Roger. We must protect Roger (laughs) at all costs. Roger is a prince of a dude. Oh, goodness. It looks to me like this. It's the Alexander version is the older one with the sort of like wicker man kind of porcupine look. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So so when I saw it. That I thought is that Ro- is that Roger? Because <laughs> yeah, the Roger one is a little more streamlined. That looks a little bit more like Squirrel Girl kind of. 
It, well, as it, opposed it, to it, the other one. Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not Rhino class uh-huh. looking, mm-hmm. but it's it's not it's not that original Wicker Man look either. <laughs> but it was. But the the thing that elevated in the comic books was that Roger himself was just such a good guy. Mm. He was just he was just this big, um, just kind of loyal, um, honest, not so intelligent um, ex-con with a daughter who wanted to do right by it. I mean, it's just great. You got to I highly recommend if you if you're a listener and you read comic books to look up that that um, run. And I can't tell you who drew it. I can't tell you who wrote it. I just look up Roger. And then see where he he shows up in Spider Woman. I go get it and read it. It's it's beautiful. So I'm looking at the the references about episode seven, and they're talking about that the porcupine was one of Ant Man's oldest foes. This original version, and then I've got a a, a panel here where it's how he was introduced all the way back in 1963 in Tales to Astonish 48, and there's three different guys. And Alexander Gentry was the original. And then there was the other ones. And the second one was uh, was Roger. Roger. Yeah. Good guy, Roger. There we go. Interesting. Interesting. So, yeah, the the rest of this episode is about her searching for, uh, you know, some bars to try to see if her her man is going to get in touch with her. Yep. Right, and and yeah. she kind of stumbles upon this this sort of retreat and this this open space for these men to to speak their feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, and she joined it, yeah, uh, reluctantly though, because when she first blundered into that thing looking for her bars, Wrecker came in and she's like, "I know you. You attack me, I'm going to kick your ass." Yeah, and that's when she was in her She-Hulk form and. And they told her to go basically sit in the, basically like the cone of silence or what have you, like the shame corner or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, but she goes and sits there for a bit before joining the group. And and then this, from this point on, this is all, this is pure writing right here, baby. Like yes. this is all uh, performance and writing. And I put that the group discru- discussion is really good. Lots of fun exchanges and a lot of like... Um, not a lot of guys that you would say is like leading man material type stuff. Uh, just a lot of like B characters and B villains and, mm-hmm. and if not lower and, and just a lot of opportunities for them to, you know, be their own characters and explore different relationships, especially with, uh, with man bull and his pal, uh, to mm-hmm. where they keep, they keep uh, insinuating that more is going on there and they need to keep their distance and all that kind of stuff, which is all kind of funny. Mm hmm. Um, and then and Jen's and then Jen's piece and they they prompt her to share why she's been so why is she so angry and why is she mm, and she, she yeah she talks about the idealization of She-Hulk right and yes that, yeah but that that was that got me like mm-hmm. yeah that's 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 what I I put down here that this is like the first emotional truth for our central figure yeah and so. In retrospect, that's like episode seven of nine, and you're just giving me the first emotional weight. That feels late to me. Fair. You know, and that's that's the sort of thing. Like, I think that these last three episodes are really good, mm-hmm. but it's it's feel it felt like there was some middle 
middle work there that it's like, what do we really need this? Like, couldn't you yeah. given me some of this stuff earlier? And man, do I say that a lot at work. I say <laughs> like a lot of, boy, yeah, this, this piece is good, but why are you saving this for the last five pages of the script? Mm. Like, this is what's interesting. Give me this earlier. What is the reason? Is that an industry standard? No, I think it's more of like they know that they want to end on this big, big beat, but they don't really know how to get to it. And it's not a standard, you say? No, no, not. It's just more of like a uh, it's like a, a writer flaw, I think, more than a standard. OK. Yeah. Because it's like I don't I don't need all this other stuff. It's like the audience is smart enough to to follow what you're doing. Just. Just give me the good stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't need all the preamble and all the sidetracks. But anyway, this is where she gets her yurt, her yurt moment. We mm-hmm. get the porcupines reveal um, where they're all grossed out by them, which is unfortunate for that, that guy. It's the, small, it's the smell, though. I mean, that's fair. Well, right. But you're just like, you never want to audition for the role to where everyone's like, oh, gross. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but then we get the uh, the reveal here at the end of what really happened with old yeah. Josh. But I wanna I wanna I wanna put back um, Jen's um, struggle though okay. that she shared and showed her vulnerability when she finally just talked it out for herself. Cause I'm into that. Okay, tell me what tell me what it was about the the Jen She Hulk thing that really uh, spoke to you relatable Mm -hmm. (laughs) are you kidding me (laughs) so she she's the way she put it was do you do you remember in high school when you had that friend that one friend oh yeah 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 so attractive and everybody always the life of the party the one that got all the attention everybody was always going after that one friend because they were so hot and they were just all of that and you're in the sidelines like you know i get it (laughs) But it's definitely not you. Mm. And then She-Hulk was that opportunity for Jen to be that person. Mm -hmm. And that's why she went to the wedding like she did. Because she got to go to the wedding as She-Hulk with that big bodacious body, Mm -hmm. heads taller than everybody, to shine. And that's all she wanted to do. She just wanted to go to the wedding and be that person for a change. But it wasn't her wedding, and she saw that she was taking the the shine off of the bride, and then she she humbled herself and went back to Jen. But in that moment, while she's sharing with that with that group, she the the CGI on Jen on She Hulk's face was again successful mm-hmm. to me because mm-hmm. it, it looked like Tatiana Maslany as a big green woman being brought to the brink of tears. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was 100% successful. So I think, yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think that that's, that's the closest that we get to like an emotional moment for her, right? Mm-hmm. In the, in the show. And if I could, uh, I mean, listen, I, I, I am putting my, my fitness journey on Twitter Mm-hmm. For, and now it's been going since 2021 when I went back, started going back to the gym. So it's a long list of 2020 from 2021 to the present date of me 
limping into the gym, trying to stay fit, looking for some kind of solution to get myself looking. And now I'm in my 50s and I am got a limited lifespan of possibilities here physically. And I'm thinking if I had an opportunity to like hulk out and just shift and change into this big strapping muscular kind of amazing person that eyes are all going to turn towards and be like, wow, <laughs> fuck yeah, I would do that. Mm. I would do that. And so, yeah, his gen that has that opportunity and what happens? She finally gets noticed for being Jen instead of She-Hulk. Right. This guy finally decides or she finally experiences, I don't have to be that guy. I could be myself. I can be who I actually am, who I was who I've always been. And they and he finds me attractive. And so that was nice. And I really liked that. And then he disappears on me. Exactly. She got what she wants and it still wasn't enough. And I felt that. Mm. So so it's part wish fulfillment, but then you realize that you your wishes aren't enough. Even is sort of what she's feeling because of because of outside forces, right? Mm -hmm. But you can you she got to experience being attractive. She wasn't allowed to do that. So then, not being attractive. Well, she's not not she's not unattractive as Jen, but she's not She Hulk, right? So she got to be accepted and experience attract attraction as herself in like in just like a different level right yeah and then that gets taken away from her Mm -hmm. so it's like she can't win and that was yes hello Mm. hi hello and then if that wasn't hard enough the audience gets to see what actually happened that night Mm -hmm. he he cloned her phone and got her blood somehow yeah we don't see that right (laughs) fortunately yeah I don't want to know how he got her blood. Right. But I'm suspecting he got her blood as she was Jen and not She-Hulk. Because mm-hmm. you can't pierce her skin as She-Hulk. And then he takes a photo of her as she's sleeping. Mm-hmm. When, when, she cloned, when, she, when he cloned her phone, he got all the things that was on her phone. So if she took any kind of pictures of herself. Oh, well, yeah, that's when we get... Because when that reveal happens next episode, we get stuff like Captain America. <laughs> We get pictures of Captain America that comes on the screen and that kind of run through that her liking Captain America thing, mm-hmm. which is funny. So okay, episode eight. Yes. Ribbit and rip it. <laughs> Ribbit and rip it. So this is my first note was yay, Matt. God damn. Have I missed his voice? Isn't that right? You know, and this is the thing, like it's a She-Hulk show. But I see Daredevil and I'm like, give me this. Give me more of this. Because like what I had mentioned earlier about the Hulk as a character to where he has a certain personality type that I'm drawn towards. That's also Matthew Murdock is a certain Mm -hmm. personality type that I'm like, ooh, yeah, okay, I feel this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I get get all this. Uh, But we get the, the beginning piece with the sort of it's almost a kick-ass style with the way that the uh, what is the what is the frog character's name? Big frog. Yeah, with the way that he's portrayed, to where it's very kind of silly and like, um, you know, it's just that sort of persona to where he's just goofing around basically. 
He's even got the colors of of, of um, kick ass. Yeah. yeah. And then we find out that he's got rich parents, of course. Uh, and I'm like, yeah, because who else has time for this sort of shit? It's the it's the white people with the rich parents. <laughs> Bruce, <laughs> I'm looking at you, Bruce Wayne. <laughs> exactly. Because who, you know, or uh, I guess, you know, Mark Spector's a, a rich white guy, but uh, because of other reasons. Um, but I just, uh, so yeah, we get, we get the, you know, the sort of case of the week. And I thought that that was interesting that he is a dummy, but you know, from, from what she's seen, maybe she, maybe he does have a case from what she knows and we get some conflict with her, uh, her former designer. And I thought that all worked really well. Because the designer made the, made the leapfrog costume. Right. And, and the leapfrog was costume faulty, supposedly. Supposedly faulty and burnt up the dude's legs. And so mm-hmm. he wants to sue the, sue the, that guy. Yeah. And she has to serve that, the, designer but she doesn't want to serve him right away she wants to try to make a deal with him and he's like you have offended me (laughs) exactly that is very the incredibles moment right where it's (laughs) like he just can't be bothered by any sort of like human interaction it's just all a certain arch sort of performance and delivery uh but then when we get to the courtroom what i liked so much about having matt introduce is then we get to see the the pair of them both be good at their jobs yeah. And this is not a thing that we see often in this show is that and and I wish that she she has a few little asides to the camera during this and I wish that she didn't because I think it would be stronger if she's kind of like digging into oh okay yeah no I'm good at this and then they can just not look at each other and argue and debate the case which mm-hmm. they do and I think that it's mostly successful. It's just that opening sort of glance was like, ah, oh, no, I don't need this right here. And that's very nitpicky of me. But I thought that that introduction to to Matt into the MCU mm-hmm. um, for real, mm-hmm. you know, was was good. I liked that. Yeah, because he's he's defending the designer because mm-hmm. the designer makes, as you mentioned, the designer's making Matt his West Coast costume i guess yeah question mark like gold why yeah mustard and ketchup why especially because what what does matt care what color his costume (laughs) yeah i didn't i didn't really understand why they made the color the color difference you think that that's maybe a netflix contractual deal Uh, no i don't i don't know and i haven't heard but i i just know that that was his original colors yeah but I mean, but originally it was like all yellow, though, right? No, it wasn't it red. It was well, red, I thought that there was like yellow. a few red highlights, but so maybe it's just a riff on the original then. Yeah, I okay. think so. And probably a design um, detail to make people talk. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't love it. I think that <laughs> I think that the regular. I mean, what's wrong with just his regular suit? But his his regular suit is a is an evolution of his original suit. Yeah. Sorry. I like the, the red better. He was mustard and ketchup. Don't give me this daredevil and he's yellow. So so here's where I'm, <laughs> I'm going to go into the writing. Okay. Because Jen um, finds Matt attractive. Mm-hmm. And Matt finds Jen attractive. Mm-hmm. And Matt meets Matt, I guess, hunts her down somehow to get to where she's at in the bar officer that that appletini oh yes and they banter 
And then he gets a call. He has to go somewhere. And, you know, oh, we're disappointed that he has to go somewhere because they, they cut the banter out. But then Jen gets a call from Leapfrog. Her mm-hmm. client is in trouble being attacked by somebody who <laughs> happens to be. Atta- he's being attacked by Daredevil. Uh huh. So she is now thinking, oh, okay, so I have these powers. I can do something. I can help him. She's not thinking I'm going to help him as a lawyer. She gets her the one superhero costume that the designer made for her and goes to intercede and help and winds up fighting Daredevil. Mm-hmm. And then they banter because once she does all sorts of um, cool moves and he does such cool moves to evade her and not be hemmed up by her, and she finally does the big hook clap and smacks him into a car and overwhelms his senses with that sonic stuff. She picks him up and snatches his helmet off and sees that it's Matt. So she knows Matt. Right. Then, well, he, and he knows that she's Jennifer because everybody knows that Jen is She-Hope. So he knew that he was running away from Jen all this time, but she didn't know that she was chasing Matt until she, she snatched off his helmet. And then the banter begins. And that's such good banter. Mm-hmm. I laughed and just chortled and clapped <laughs> and rewound and listened to it again and again and again. So by the time this, so all that, all this stuff is going to happen. I didn't write any notes because I was so into this episode. Mm. This is my favorite episode. And then when the credits come up, it says by Cody Ziegler. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, uh, uh, what? I I know who this is. Cody Ziegler is currently in 2023 writing um miles morales spider-man ah okay so i don't know this let me and so i'm gonna i'm gonna give it all to you right now okay before uh miles morales he wrote a miniseries with spider-punk so okay he did a spider-punk miniseries that was excellent because i didn't even i've never even had any kind of affinity for the character. I just knew that his name was Hobie Brown and he was a black guy in the future or not even the future, uh, an alternate timeline future, Spider-Punk. Cody Ziegler Ziegler wrote that miniseries and I thought it was excellent. And so I did a little deep dive on him and I'm going to tell you like this. He comes from from North Carolina (laughs) in, in the back sticks of North Carolina in a town of 800 people. He is a thick black man mm-hmm. with um, in the interview that I saw him in, he had um, fuchsia pink hair. Bright pink. Yes, sir. Bright pink hair. And he went to, to Savannah Vi- Visual Arts or something. Oh, he, he was like a SCAD town. guy? Yeah. Yeah. I think that if not um, another kind of Savannah Arts something or other. Okay. And then started to work in the offices of Robot Chicken and all those things, interning in there. And he moved out to to L.A. And he was at some social function where he ran into a little lady named Jessica Gao. Ah. Jessica Gao met him and they talked for a while. And then he goes on to do a podcast. He goes on to to produce a podcast. With Tony Newsom mm. as one of the hosts. Tony Newsom is an actor 
who does Mariner, the voice of Mariner of Lower Decks in the Star Trek Lower Decks animated. Mm-hmm. So then she called him, said, the, the, the name of the podcast is, yo, is this racist? Because <laughs> Tawny Newsom is a woman of color. Uh-huh. So he, so she invited him on just to be a, just to be a co-host. And so if you go look up, yo, this is racist, you'll probably get back episodes of them uh, riffing and doing cool things. One of the other co-hosts named Andrew uh, asked him, hey, do you have uh, any sample scripts at all? And he gave, so, so Cody gave Andrew a sample script. Andrew didn't want to tell him where the, what the sample script was for. Come to find out, Marvel, Marvel calls Cody up a month after he gives this script and say, we'd like to take a meeting with you. And Cody's like, okay, well, whatever. Goes and walks into the room and there's Jessica Gow. Mm. And Jessica Gow is like, I'm sorry that we had to do all this clandestine, but uh, we met at this at this functioning, this crab bake functioning a couple of months ago, and we really and I, I I really liked your vibe. Then I followed you on Twitter and thought you were really funny, mm. and so I asked Andrew to get a sample from you that I could read, and I like your stuff. Would you like to come work on She-Hulk? Uh huh. In 2019. Before the pandemic, so he's a writer in the room of She-Hulk, there, and he and Zeb Wells is the other comic book geek in the room writing mm-hmm. for She-Hulk. So they collaborate, they they interject the comic book stuff for the series, like they they recognized and inserted Porcupine, uh, Saracen, like they they kept the writers, because there's a lot of uh, comedy writers that are used to writing sitcoms in the room, and they were the comic book geeks of the the contingent, and they were keeping them honest comic book-wise. And then he got the opportunity to lead the charge on this episode. And can you imagine what that must be like to be the one in the room to write the reintroduction of Daredevil mm-hmm. into the Marvel into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and to do it this well too, and to do it this well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you mentioned this, but my last note on the episode was this is easily the best episode. Yeah. Yeah, I loved this one. Um, so good. So we had that awkward sort of moment in the courtroom with Matt, and then at the bar. Uh, at the bar, as I was looking at this while you were talking, that you you can see her underbite, which is interesting, mm-hmm. because I didn't really notice it until uh, until she does like certain facial expressions. Um, I loved the idea of when we get Daredevil, we get to see for a moment, or we get to hear for a moment the uh, the theme, his theme yes. from Netflix. Yes, is is in there. Um, sure is. And boy, oh boy, oh boy. So when we get them sort of trying to figure out what the plan is mm-hmm. and he's like oh i'm gonna pick off these guys and she does the math wrong right and all that kind of <laughs> all that kind of clever stuff i was like this is like straight up marvel team in one two and one this yes. is like marvel team up type stuff yep. to where it's these two different worlds in marvel that are colliding because we get the the street level matt hallway fight Yes. Very gritty, grounded, 
the, like the blue neon film over the lights and all that kind of stuff to where it looks very Daredevil Netflix. Yeah. And we get the fights and the fights looks pretty close to the Netflix Daredevil stuff. And I'm like, Jesus, right. like this is really good. And then she comes in and just bashes all of them, just falls through the ceiling, right? And, and does her yeah. She-Hulk smash. Yep. <laughs> he took care of the first, like, four, and then five more were coming at him, and then she just crashes down on top of the five mm-hmm. in one blow. <laughs> and so I put, fuck me, I missed all the Daredevil stuff. <laughs> yes. You know, because that's tonally the best thing for me that Marvel does, mm-hmm. uh, just because that just fits in with my sensibilities the best. Um, and so I just really, really responded to that. Um, and then my other thing that I wrote down here was, uh, so, you know, Mr. Tom King. Yes. And his Batman work. Yes. I'm familiar that he is a writer of Batman <laughs> and, he's, and he's very, very good. And so you're and aware I, of the, the Kite Man stuff. I'm more aware of the Kite Man stuff from um, the Harley Quinn series on the, hbo the animated stuff okay so insane since i am on i'm on like the sixth or seventh trade so still way back in the day mm. but the kite man issues where he's you know he's a joke and it's he's he's sort of played as a joke but it's like you know he's got the I'm kite man play off of the I'm Batman stuff. And he's got like his different traits that he repeats over and over and over. That's what I felt like the ribbit and rip it was trying Uh to do. Uh And those are the only pieces that I was like, Ooh, see, I get what they're wanting to do here, but I didn't ever feel like he was funny or someone we were supposed to either laugh at or laugh with. Like I never really like, responded in any kind of way with this person oh yeah and that's that's fine with me because i didn't care a a whit about him well that's what i'm saying it's like that goes back to my you've got nine episodes and i didn't care about this dude (laughs) you know like i wanted to feel either for him or i wanted to be against him or i wanted i wanted to feel something about something with this guy not me i didn't care anything about him i wanted to see (laughs) jen and max well there you go I do love. Uh, I don't want him to take any oxygen away at all from the people that I was watching this show for. <laughs> oh man, that's good. Um, so anyway, that's that's part of the thing. Like when, um, when the writer friend of mine that is you know pending the strike is uh, supposedly getting a show going, that's. Mm-hmm that's my kind of role is the character stuff. Cause I always want to know like, why is this character here? Mm-hmm. Like, what are they doing? Um, and she's more of like a big concept plot person. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so when I, when I see stuff like the ribbit and rip it guy, I'm like, okay, like I like the, I think it's funny that he has a, a tagline. I think it's funny that he's got like his tadpoles and all that kind of stuff. Like, I think that the, all that stuff is interesting. But I just didn't care about the actual dude. Like, I wished he was more interesting, I guess. Yeah. You know. So he served as the vehicle to bring uh, Matt to town. Because sure. Because he's, he's the one suing the designer. Right. And then he kidnaps the designer because he loses the case and forces the designer. To, and that was dumb. That was that's just a dumb, <laughs> a dumb decision to make. Yes. As a human being. 
And he's the uh, he's again the one that, with the rich parents, right? To where mm-hmm. his father's an important client, so he's an important client, <laughs> yeah. which I always like. But what how what did he what did he expect to accomplish by kidnapping the man and making him make a new suit that was going to and then he was going to take that suit from a man he kidnapped and go fight crime again? <laughs> well, sure. Was that his? I mean, was that his idea? He's Stupid. a damn. He's a damn white fool. What's he gonna do? He, he's just an idiot. Yeah. And so the only thing that I cared about was the fact that Daredevil wanted to stop him and, and get his client back, get mm-hmm. Matt's client back, and Jennifer was trying to protect him, thinking that he was. N- and then they come together, mm-hmm. and then they are smitten with one another, mm-hmm. and then they smash yes and we get the walk of shame with matt with his helmet on and his boots off which i thought was funny oh because um barefoot Uh uh-huh again i put yeah more feet you kidding me (laughs) but i also i neglected to point out and even though i apologize for for doing so i'm going to still do it that in the in the retreat episode Emil Blonsky. Oh yeah. When he's getting his um, device looked at by the parole officer, has his bare feet mm-hmm. in the parole officer's lap. No, thank you. And he's twinkling his toes. No, thanks. Did you notice that? Because well, he did that. I saw that his foot was out, and I was like, mm, nope, don't like he, this. He twinkled them. He twinkled them, and I. <laughs> And now at this point, I'm thinking, is that Tim Roth's foot? Probably a stunt like foot. That? Probably or a stunt foot. A, is that a foot double? Yeah, I would guess a foot double. Ugh. So, so somebody directed the foot double to 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 twinkle the toe. Yeah, move your foot around a little bit in there. No, not just move the foot around. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's but this uh, this episode ends though. This is when we end with. The uh, lawyer of the year, the grand award, right? And this is when she's a little cautious, like, why are you still filming? What's going yeah. on? And then not only does she get this award and she gets all dressed up and she's in She-Hulk form and this is a bit her big moment. She gets the award, but also it seems like every other woman in the building also gets the award. Yeah. And you're like, the goddamn... Matriarchy or patriarchy again. Patriarchy. Unbelievable. But then uh, that's when we get, you know, the sort of sort of a trope to where you you can just never turn off a, a screen ever. <laughs> when whenever it's plot relevant, you just can't get a, a screen to turn off. Um, <laughs> yeah. But we get that we get that moment, and of course she has like an actual um, what would be considered like a, a a hulk out kind of a moment yeah um because she was mad because yeah they were exposing all her life yeah at that banquet instead of a celebration they were like stripping her bare and showing her just all that vulnerability and the voiceover was like don't she doesn't deserve this mm-hmm. don't do don't give her an honor this is who she is she's a slut she's a this she's a mm-hmm. that Mm-hmm. From the from the intelligentsia. Yeah, and they're and they're shaming her by showing the the saved pictures that she has of Captain America's ass and stuff. And her <laughs> in the bed. Well, and her in the bed Josh for sure. Took. Yeah. And she's topless and, and <clears throat> fortunately uh, chest down, mm-hmm. so you only see her bare back and mm-hmm. arms and shoulders and things. But it's like, 
who took that picture? Well, I guess it must have been somebody that she messed with, and I guess she's a slut. And it's like, also, oh, a woman can't be sexual mm-hmm. out here. She, mm-hmm. She's got to be chaste and always the Madonna for you. Yeah, Man. Madonna horror oh, complex for everybody. Yeah. Shame, shame, shame in the patriarchy. That's right. Uh, so our last episode, Alan, episode nine, this is where we get a wonderful introduction of what would have been in the old 70s. Yes. <laughs> this is when we get the uh, the Incredible Hulk redux. Yes. And this, the television show this time is the Savage She-Hulk. And I loved the way that this was shot. So good, <laughs> I was like, dude. oh, man, I would rather watch this. <laughs> Give me this. <laughs> Because we get like the sort of, I don't know what it is. We get, you know, we get the phony sort of eyes that they did on old Bill Bixby, right? Um, but then we get like, I don't know if it's the, the woman that was the stand in for the CGI, uh, mm-hmm. when they were doing, you know, like the not on, picture. not on Jennifer Walters's face. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's the stand in that plays the makeup diversion of, she-Hulk in the 70s thing or what? Like the Lou Ferrigno type of a spot. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought that that was really good. They they recreated the whole opening of, yeah. the, of the 70s show. And they put her in the Bill Bixby position. Mm-hmm. Trying to change the... Uh, trying, to, trying to flip the car mm-hmm. like uh, Bill was doing and then raging. Yeah, hulking Just, out. Yeah. All, that, all that stuff is... is um, and then the final side-by-side, that- yeah. Yeah, being in that machine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh yes, the very singular machine that's like it's like a foot wide or whatever. That little tiny little thing that's shaped like a C that kind of moves around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Loved it. So, and, and it's shot like it is '70s film mm-hmm. and not video. Mm-hmm. It's just so good, grainy. It is. It just looks kind of trashy, kind of like straight to video type stuff, and I just loved all that. Yeah. Such an homage. Really, really liked that. Um, but then we meet her in what could be Emile's sort of cell, in the same mm-hmm. type of cell. And she's, uh, man, she's paying a price for this one incident. She scared everybody. And, and I'm all- like, man, the, M- the MCU does not fool around. Like, this is not the 616, baby. <laughs> like, she has, she doesn't injure anybody. She hurts a few uh, monitors. And she's permanently not allowed to turn into She-Hulk. And I'm like, wow, that is strict. Terrified. Because a Hulk. (laughs) Yeah, I guess, yeah. But, I mean, what's Bruce doing? What what sort of, like, law protection does he have? My goodness. No, no, no. Didn't they exile him? Well, they, they have him move away, but I'm just like, when he was a part of the Avengers, it's like, I guess for the greater good, all of the destruction... And all she did was tear up a couple of screens. Come on. And, he, and she's a woman. And <laughs> she's a woman. That's right. So they were probably doubly scared of her. Mm-hmm. Well, because they're so emotional, you know. You know, that's the problem. That's right. That you can have a male Hulk. That's fine. But a female Hulk. Yeah, because he'll Hulk, do the right thing. How is she gonna be when on that time of the month? Oh yeah. I'm surprised they didn't actually bring that up. Well, women were in charge of this show, so they probably said, you know what? No. Yeah, we're not even doing that. Yeah. We're not doing that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but this is when she uh, she's you know forced to move back home. One of the things that I wanted to mention about her home is they show this exterior a couple of times in the show, 
And mm-hmm. I wondered if I would go back and watch the orig- original Eric Bana, uh, Ang Lee Hulk, if this is the same exterior of this house. Well, what I can say is that they referred to the second Incredible Hulk with Ed Norton. They are definitely not referring to the the uh, Banna Hulk. Mm, because this Banna. this house, when when he fights uh, Josh Lucas and he first turns into the Hulk, mm-hmm. and it's like your first moment you see him, mm-hmm. and he like throws the sofa through the front of a house, and it looks really similar to this house to me. In my memory, and this could be I could be way off, or it could be just an allusion to that without being a direct reference, like uh, oh yeah, I, this is in a similar style, but it's not quite the same kind of a thing. I can see that unless so. they just have one of those houses on on lots. Yeah, somewhere. they're just like ah yeah, we'll just use this one. Use it's it's close enough. It's whatever. Because when when he did that, I I, I think I remember it being more rem- remote than this house in this neighborhood. Mm, could be. That could be. I think I remember that. I I can't tell you for a fact that is true. Yeah. So one of the one of the fun little details here is uh you know they're they're figuring out they've got the the cork board and the string and they're just figuring out everything and what I really liked was the extra little detail of Nikki and uh Jennifer's mother loving each other. <laughs> and I thought that that's the sort of smart little inclusion to where it's like that doesn't do anything for the story. That doesn't help anything for either of the characters that's just like a little bit of extra business that's just in there for the audience just as like a cute little um extra little thing for them to play but i will say this Mm -hmm. because i i caught it this time if i didn't catch it the first time i watched it it establishes that her mother is going to send her that college oh well yes yes of course because of this close relationship they have and, and just a casual close relationship. You know, they're not besties forever. Yeah. But the fact that the mom can be so have these the guards down and just be so um, just bl- just blur these these boundaries between her and Nikki that she would send Nikki on request an embarrassing video of Jen in 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 college mm-hmm. because Nikki then uses that video to upload it to the intelligentsia website as a man who, cause she is um, infiltrating intelligentsia trying to get, you know, behind the scenes and find out who Hulk King is. And she gets accepted because of that video that mm-hmm. she got from Jen's mom because they're, because they're loving up on each other and close, like you described. So it was useful. It was useful. It was a it was a plot device. Yeah, it was just one of those to where they were like closer than the the scene absolutely needed them to be. You mm-hmm. know, they could have just been like, "Oh yeah, hey, I want to keep that. Jennifer won't let me see it. Send it to me." But instead, mm-hmm. they just really kind of pushed um that little uh, like mindedness, I guess. So it I like cool. that. Yeah. So yeah. I thought that was cute because Nikki is Nikki is everybody's pal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I like that she likes everybody, but she's also there for Jen when she's like, yeah, watch out, men are trash, kind of a thing. <laughs> she's also like that. So, um, so yeah, so this is, uh, this is basically like a little bit of a heist on one end of it where we've got, uh, Nikki and your boy, right? Oh. Old pug as they're trying to infiltrate and they're going through some of the more standard stuff to where you've got like the, the, 
uh, headphone and, and the communication that's not always consistent and he doesn't have all the information and that kind of bit of business that you get a little bit um, more often than not whenever you're dealing with like not an expert spy kind of folks. Um, and, and I, he, he, that's when he redeemed his presence in the show too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Even though he still didn't take his shirt off though. Even though that, <laughs> but, but he, he, um, he was the male that had to go. Nikki had to snatch him up to go with her because she's masquerading as a man online mm-hmm. to be accepted and get behind who the Hulk King is. Uploading that video got her in. And then she got the invitation to go to this party, this anti-She-Hulk party, evidently. And she couldn't show up as herself, so she dragged Pug, and she tells Pug, you know, she'll feed Pug his the information. And he's so reluctant. <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and, he, and that was charming. Yes. <laughs> you know, him in the car saying, I don't want to do this. <laughs> yeah, right. And I do love that when we get uh, the, at this retreat, right, it's dressed in a different enough way to where you don't immediately, uh, well, I didn't immediately recognize it as Emil's place. Exactly. Um, and so what I think was really interesting is you get to meet all of these dudes and they're just the sort of worst bros that you would expect to see to where they're all the neck beards. They're all the men of the best when the women are the worst type dummies. Mm -hmm. And they're just everything that you would expect them to be, which is just such a, an easy kind of uh I mean it's low hanging fruit, but it's also well done. So I I thought that that was well executed, I guess. Yeah, and and at the same time, Jen has decided that um, because life has hit such rock bottom, she got fired from G L Q and A or whatever the the letters are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she she got fired from there because she's not allowed anymore to be She Hulk, and the only reason why they hired her was to be She Hulk. So she got fired because she doesn't have that high paying job. To your point, she cannot afford that apartment that she lived in, and that's why she had to move back home. And she's hit rock bottom. She's face down on her bed, and she's like, "You know what? I'm going to Emil's. I'm going to go back to that retreat. I had a, I had some honest moments there. I yearned there. <laughs> I need to get out of here and go and 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 gaze into my navel." And so she's on site at the retreat, and we don't know that the the intelligentsia thing is at the same place. We think it's somewhere else because, to your point, it's not that immediate, immediately obvious mm-hmm. that it's at the same place until... <laughs> yeah, until and, Abomination comes in, right? Oh, and well, then Abomination is there already. Jen comes yeah, in. Yeah, exactly. Abomination shows up. It's like, well, why is he here? And why is he Abomination? And that's not okay. And then Jen stumbles in mm-hmm. looking for Emil. And it was a thing where then when the bro gets, he injects himself with Jen's blood and that serum and turns into this sort of faux Hulk. I'm like, oh, okay, I've seen some of this with like the Jeff Loeb and McGinnis stuff or whatever. And I'm like, they're doing this really like in the last episode. And then Bruce shows up and I'm like, what the fuck is this? And then Jen says, what's going on? (laughs) Yes. <laughs> like exactly. Yes. I wrote in my my note is, and I will quote: "This will either be Eric's favorite, or he will hate it." <laughs> is what I wrote. Yeah. Well, because Jen is saying the things that I can imagine 
Eric was saying when he was watching this. Well, because I was watching it and I just started shaking my head like, what the fuck are they doing? Like this, so- like what in the world? And then what I thought was great was then they went to the actual Disney Plus screen. Yes. Right. And then she's swinging around and and goes to the goes to the behind the scenes show. Yes. And then goes through the stuff. But this is also where the the CGI looked weird. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm like, wait, this this looks odd. Like, what's going on here? Yeah, it was the CGI was failing. The idea was exquisite, mm-hmm. but the the CGI was failing. She the the camera was moving faster than the figure was. Uh huh. She was kind of jerky looking, walking. So let me ask you this: She gets into the production, and she gets into the writers' room. They were there, which is a pretty grungy looking version of a writers' room. Mm-hmm. With no windows and just a couple of lights. Mm-hmm. Uh, where's your guys? Where's Mr. Wells? They're there. I don't see any fuchsia hair. No, no, no. His hair wasn't fuchsia at the time. Oh. The 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 biggest black guy there is Cody Ziegler. Well, I don't see any black guys in here. Yeah, they flashed to him like two times. Okay. He He, he would be on the left of the screen. And but they 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 close up on his face at least twice. Okay, because I see Jessica Gao. And Zeb Wells is the um is the sandy haired guy with the beard in the back. Yeah, he's the, the guy on the board. He's which is funny because I thought usually that's the PA's job, but that's usually the like Jessica Gao's personal assistant would be writing up there. Mm. Um, but who knows? Maybe they, they could be doing something different. In this room, but I did think it was interesting that they did have the writer's room in here, and I'm mm-hmm. like, oh god, not me. <laughs> like you, like I'll write some stuff, but you will not catch me doing this. <laughs> uh, I didn't love that this white dude in the middle of the frame was doing the most talking when it's Jessica Gao's show. And, and there's another Asian woman next to him that uh-huh. has some some lines, but you know they structured that on purpose. Mm-hmm. You know. They oh, did. there he is. Okay, I saw it. There they cut to him. Yep. Okay. But since she's in charge and she wrote this episode, she she wanted a white guy to mansplain the show <laughs> to to, Je- to Jennifer. Yeah, to Jennifer. Yeah. Of course. Okay. That makes Which sense. Which got summarily dismissed, and she walked out the room and said, "Well, let me go talk to Kevin." Yeah, let me go talk to Kevin, and they all laugh. And, of course, you're in the know, and you know Kevin Feige and all this sort of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Until. Until it turns out to be a HAL-like robot, uh, mm-hmm. you know, from 2001, even though it's not quite shaped that way. But is the idea of it, of it being a robot that uh, maybe is for good, maybe not. But speaking of the shape of it, there's a little story also about Jessica Gao um Going to make the series end the way that it almost ended. Okay. And then Kevin Feige said, "No, don't do that because you've been so unconventional throughout this whole season. I mean, through this whole run, that's what makes it great. You don't have to end it the way that normal stuff ends in our in MCU. You can take the ball and run with it. Do do your other stuff that you want to do. Hmm. And so she conceives of Kevin, um, the the robot." And then she says, and I want him to wear a hat just like you wear a hat all the time. <laughs> and he nixed it. He said, no, no, no. There's no reason why a, a, a computer would wear a hat. <laughs> and she said, no, I, 
I have he has to wear a hat or I quit. And then he, then Kevin Feige says, "Well, it's been really good working with you, and you've really helped us out a lot." <laughs> and so they came up with a with a compromise. And so when you look at this machine, Kevin, right over those three lenses, yeah, there's that hood kind of thing, yeah, that and the and the dome that that the like the the curve over that hood looks like a hat, oh, looks okay. like a baseball cap. Oh yeah, okay, I can see it. That's, that's interesting. The compromise. <laughs> that's pretty good. I mean, it's uh, you know, you hear all the the Kevin stuff and they give you the acronym and i'm like that every time they do that for like shield or sword i'm like i don't even i don't even pretend to read that i'm just like i don't care what it stands for it's shield it's sword it's whatever it's kevin yeah it's kevin uh and then we get those you know the the mentions earlier that i had said about the the cgi stuff which rubbed me a little bit of the wrong way just because of the way that i felt especially the scenes we had just seen how they looked a little rough where i was like ah i don't need to you don't need to put a flag on that on mm. that. Um but I thought that was interesting. I love the idea of Matt dropping in again. Because a woman has needs, she says. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was really, I the way that was she funny. she's dictating how the series should should end mm-hmm. to Kevin. And he, and Kevin's going for it. Like, okay, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, we'll do that. And yes. We'll, yeah. We'll do that too. Turn the night time into day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Todd does not get those Hulk powers. Mm-hmm. He's just a he's just a he's just a dude bro he yeah he's just a dude bro that that tried to embarrass Jen and is liable and will go to jail for um, invasion of privacy and or whatever that is what whatever that law is I forget what the law is but he it's prosecutable so he's going to jail for that not for being a Hulk and yes um, Bruce does not show up to save her at the last moment that doesn't happen right anymore. And Matt, but Matt does drop in, but he drops in too late to save her. She's already done it, and she did it as Jennifer Walters, right? She right. saved herself by by breaking the fourth, shattering, obliterating the fourth wall, and climbing into reality and rewriting the show for herself. She saved herself. And then we get this uh, this interesting little extra bit where it goes from her kind of saving the day, and then she goes to this family cookout. The cookout. And we get the kind of douchey uh, cousin. Who did not turn out to be the bad guy right. that I thought right. he was going to be. We get all of the questions with Matt, and everyone's real horny for Matt. Like, we've got this blonde, like, aunt. Look, I get it. I get it. <laughs> I mean, he is so fucking charming. Yes. And you know what really, really works mm. for me? Is Charlie Cox's ability... To lean into the blindness of Matt. Yes, yes. And be so, and be so, at one at one point humble, but at another point knowledgeable. Mm-hmm. And and not giving ground to any kind of verbal opponent. Like he knows his shit, and just because he's in a an a kind of a atmosphere of sighted people. And that he appears to be at a disadvantage. He will he will never let someone put him at a disadvantage because of his blindness. Mm-hmm. Not just because he's Daredevil, but when he when Charlie Cox is playing Matt Murdock, I get the sense that Matt Murdock is blind, not right. that yes. he's Daredevil. You know? Yes. I don't, get, I don't get the sense that Matt Murdock is actually um 
using his echolocation or whatever he's using to navigate through the world. I get the impression that Matt Murdock is a blind guy living in a sighted world and, and taking no shit from anyone. Mm-hmm. And he's but very – Mildly and humbly. Right, exactly. Yeah, he's very uh, unselfconscious with the way that he's performing. It's not like, ooh, I'm blind. Look at the things I'm going to do to let you know as an audience that I'm blind. You yeah. know, like he's not having certain affectations of like overusing um, hand gestures or like making sure he touches everything or what have yeah. you. Or people's faces. Exactly. Like he's that. just a blind guy. Yeah. You know, he doesn't overdo and Charlie, it. And Charlie Cox has the body language of just looking into nothing looking slightly away from whoever he's talking to because his eyes are not working so that they're not going to be focusing on who he's talking to right and it but he is listening to his i mean it's just it's just genius Mm -hmm. the way he 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 portrays matt and he's so cute so (laughs) it's it works on so many levels so tell me about this extra little bit that i didn't know what the heck this was Bruce comes in. Yes. And he's got his kid. Yes. From the Planet Hulk storyline. <laughs> yes. Who the... F- what the heck? Like, this was just a big reveal here in this Hulk... The She-Hulk uh, thing that this happened in the MCU? It happened in the MCU, but we don't know when. Yeah, we it don't has- know We don't know anything about what this is. Because this no. is after... Every, like, this is the most current thing up to this point that we've seen. And it is it's threaded from the beginning of the show, of the, of the series, because the thing that ran them off the road that caused the accident that mm-hmm. hurt Bruce mm-hmm. and got their blood into Jen is a, I guess it's called a Sakaran spaceship. Okay. It came down in the road and caused Jen to run off the road. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That same ship is the ship that was taking Bruce away when he had his last conversation with Jen. Right. So he was going to that planet of the people that had already tried to intercept him earlier in the very first episode. He was going away to their planet. So whatever he did on their planet, he made a son and he came back <laughs> home with that son. Which is so strange. So this is... Man, so this is all... I'm just trying to put together the chronology of this. Because outside of this one moment, this has been really separate from everything that's not Wong related. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm like, okay, I guess Hulk's back and he goes on this little side quest and then comes back real quick and has a kid that was must have been when he was on the planet with uh, Jeff Goldblum. No. Isn't that when no. he would have had a kid, though? No, because he already told Jen in the first episode that he was out in space already. Okay. And that was during Ragnarok. Yeah, but this kid is, like, how old? Yeah, and the, the like 20-something, I guess. Okay. So, a couple of possibilities. While he was out there during Ragnarok, Thor Ragnarok, mm-hmm. he was on that planet and he fathered a kid, and then he got snatched up by the collector, and then he needed to fight Thor, and then he 
came back to Earth through that storyline, leaving his son out there on the planet. Uh huh. And now, in this series, coming from that planet, somebody came down. Somebody's looking for him to looking for him and do the right him thing or whatever. Road. Uh huh. And then took him back to the planet and said, "Hey, you got a boy over here. Would you do something about this?" And he did something about this, and then he brought his son back home mm. to Earth. Boy, I tell you, for whatever reason, I still have such a hard time with any sort of Marvel legacy attempt. So when I see DC and I get the different flashes or the different versions of like a Green Lantern attempt or or what have you, whenever they try to pass the mantle, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm always much more forgiving of that than I am for Marvel for some reason. You don't want Hulk to have a son? Well, because I feel like, you know, they did the thing with Hulk, they did the thing with Deken and Wolverine, and then with Laura and Wolverine, and it just feels like they're they're trying to make, like, younger versions. And then with Scout, with uh, Laura. Yep, with Scout. And so it's just like, I get that they're trying to do this, but I don't ever feel like it works as well for Marvel for some reason. Uh-huh. And I don't know why. Maybe because I just don't like the characters that they come up with that are younger except for miles i guess yeah right yeah and and that's not even i mean that's contemporary miles and spider-man exist together in the same world doing stuff in Mm -hmm. new york city yeah because like when they would i think the thing that i was attached to where this worked was the flash stuff to where we had you know, Jay and Wally and Barry all living. And then we had the impulse character and we had the max character and we had all these other versions and ages of different people. Mm. And I was like, Oh, okay. I can see where this all fits together. And then like where some are stronger in different places than others and all that kind of thing. And then when I get like, Oh, Wolverine, you had a son, you've got a son. It's like, yeah, Wolverine's been banging it out for years. Like, what do you mean? He doesn't have a kid. Of course he does. You know? Yeah, really. And, uh, and so when they introduced that, I was like, no way. Cause that's when they, it, it, I think it's like, Oh, here's the new Wolverine was always my impression. And I was like, no, 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 no. Don't, don't like force feed and try to get me to believe that this is the new thing that I'm supposed to care about or whatever. Well, could it be because that new Wolverine was introduced as what, a Dark Avenger? Could be. Could be. And un, under Norman Osborn's Under Norman's thing. Well, and I didn't I think that was right when I right before I finally just said, I think I'm done with this. <laughs> and uh-huh. I just took a I took a big break. Bad taste in your mouth. Maybe. About legacy characters. Maybe. Yeah. Plus DC did it first. We know. Yeah. Well, even things like when like Damien got introduced or like when Clark's kid got introduced, I was like, oh, okay, this is fine. Because it's more like magic and more like big scope and grand ideas over at DC and Marvel's always much more real to me. And I'm like, wait a minute, like Peter's 35. He doesn't have a, you know, he doesn't have a kid that's that age yet. And that kind of thing would always be my hang up whenever they would try to do. Marvel stuff May, with Legacy. Mayday, Mayday Parker. Oh, yeah. Yeah, May. The Vanishing May. <laughs> that kind of thing. All right, well, uh, so yeah, that's episode nine. Anything else that you wanted to bring up about? Uh, what about our little tag here at the end with uh, Wong and Emil being bros again and going yeah, off? I don't, and... I don't know where that's going to go. And it also points to Wong being kind of a little, you know, 
a little sinister. Yeah, a little mischievous there. What Why you doing? He keeps breaking Emil out, and I think that was a lie. I, I, I don't. I don't know why he broke Emil up in the first place, but it seemed like after that last tag that he lied mm-hmm. and that he, he broke him out for other reasons than whatever he said because he's doing it again. Yeah, which is weird be. because, I mean, we all know the whole Kang thing, so it's not like... I, I don't know. It's not, it's not like they've got some grand plan for the abomination or something. <laughs> really? <laughs> So I don't know what they're doing with that. But we will find out. I guess. I guess. I'm excited to do so. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, any other final thoughts about She-Hulk as a whole there, Alan? I am happy with this series. And I just enjoyed myself this time around so much more than I did the first time. I didn't hate it the first time. Mm -hmm. But I think the beats that you're pointing out was was what I was experiencing the first time. But the second time I saw it as as much more of a whole. I didn't like Nikki as much as you did the first uh, the first time. Oh interesting. I appreciated her a lot more this time than than the first time. Mm. Yeah, she was one of the stronger parts for me. Um yeah I this was a this was a show that on the whole I wasn't super excited about uh the way that it the way that it ended up the last three episodes I thought were really strong. It's kind of middle of the road for me. Like there was parts of it that I really liked. There was parts of it that I kind of struggled with. I thought that the beginning and the end was really good, but the, the middle piece was a little bit of rougher sledding for me. Um, the, the Matt inclusion was just kind of the thing that made me miss Matt Murdock and, and, mm-hmm. and, uh, long for the born again story that's coming. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so that's that's the thing that uh, I felt I felt very much when once he came back on, but I thought it was fine. It wasn't my my favorite thing in the world, but it also wasn't like a slog to get through or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So so all right, well uh, that's probably good for She Hulk. If people have any comments for the show, you could email us at plainlabelpodcast at gmail dot com. If you wanted to help out the show, you could check out our show notes, or you'll find the link to our Amazon wish list. I do want to thank Mr. Alan White for coming on. If people wanted to hear more from you or get in touch with you, where could they do that? At New Mutant on Twitter, and it's two T's, but not what you think. <laughs> yeah, the Y is not where you think. that's right well thank you for listening and you can join alan and i with potentially a special guest next week as we talk about the disney plus special werewolf by night I want you can't tell me I keep it sexy daddy so I can't fail keep it gangster for the cowards so I give them hell call me misfit lips fit a gang of trash riskless now cause I made a gang of cash like glam still street with the do-rag slang spit gang chain speech how they do that <laughs> watch they mouths drop watch the crowds pop up and act out brawls with the screw face smash on the knockout ain't chain game to run me I run the game if I gotta keep it gritty so be it I'm supposed to change like simple dizzy bras ain't nothing with my mental now Born hustling shit, check what I've been to. Got mine, took it from you, and then you slot mine's exact to my own. Dog, I'm on the dot com. Cool